song from 1982 from Donny Iris called Aliyah, one of the underrated songs of that year. Most people don't remember it. Unless you were around in that time, you probably do. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Drexel show. We may actually have Drexel tonight. Some of you think that Brandon Drexel Gerson is dead or he's in rehab or he had a big fight with me and we're not talking. A lot of you people think I'm covering up for something, but I'm not. He's he's had some issues with headaches, as I've said before, and headaches are not a code for a drug problem or anything like that. He's really getting headaches. Uh, I can't tell you the cause of the headaches. He probably can't either. But he told me that uh, he's been feeling better recently. And even with the very uh, strange and inconvenient time of tonight's show, he might be able to make it sometime after we start. But since we don't have Brandon Drexel Gerson, and by the way, for those of you that don't know, the few of you that do not, do not know, I am Todd Dandruff with Tellus. We do this show usually once a week, but this show has not been on for 15 days. So we're back. It feels good to be back. And since I cannot present you right now with Brandon Drexel Gerson, hopefully later, I will present you with one of our guest co-hosts who has been very popular in his time on this show. He hasn't been on that many times, but uh, in the times he's been on, we've gotten very, very good reviews, just about universally good reviews of his performance on the show. Calwatt, welcome back to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Hey, Druff, how you doing? Good, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, we're off to a stupendous start with no technical fail. Usually when I have someone on Skype with me, there's all kinds of problems I, the, with sound, sound level, sound quality. Sometimes it's on my end, sometimes it's on their end, sometimes I blame it on them and it's my fault. This time you sound good. So. Yeah, but after that buildup, I can pretty much guarantee people are going to hate it. <laughs> you mean about the sound quality or your performance here? My performance. Oh, okay. Well, t- so just to give a disclaimer, Calwatt is on the East Coast, so it is almost 3.30 a.m. where he is. So the fact that he even made it is uh, very admirable. When I offered for him to be on this show uh, as a co-host this week, since I knew Brandon either wouldn't be here or wouldn't be here till the middle, uh, I-, I thought he'd probably say he couldn't do it, Calwatt, because of the time difference and how we're already starting so late, and then we almost started an hour later than scheduled. Now, I couldn't help this one. A lot of the other ones I can help because I'm just late. But this one, uh, Benjamin has gotten on a very bad sleep schedule, which developed during a trip we took, which I'll talk about shortly. We just kind of stayed up late on this trip, and we're waking up late and had a funny schedule on this nine-day trip we took. And uh, since he's not in school now or anything... He's been keeping late hours where he goes to bed late. I go, I you know, wakes up late, which is, I guess, good for me, too. <laughs> but uh, this week, Benjamin's mom is not around. So until Ben goes to sleep, I can't do this show. And sometimes I would have canceled it on a week like this, but I didn't want to cancel it since we already missed last week because I was on a trip. So an overnight show is the Children's only- Benadryl. <laughs> better living through medication uh, you know i 
If, if, I mean, it's possible I did that. I just don't want to, don't want to admit it for uh, the, anyone from Child Protective Services listening. All right. Fair enough. Uh, or I could have just get, gone the direct route and just given him uh, NyQuil, you know, adult NyQuil. I, I mean, that, the, the NyQuil, that takes care of me. It's, I usually don't have sleeping problems. I usually can fall asleep pretty easily. But in the rare case, I can't, especially if I have a cold or something or anything else. Sometimes not even a cold. Sometimes just something that's keeping me awake. I know what you use. To fall asleep, your your sleep aid is actually this show. You got it. <laughs> but that doesn't work for me. I, I can't listen to any anyone talk myself or or anyone else and fall asleep to that. So uh, it's funny that you mentioned Nyquil. I had a, a buddy of mine that used to play a game in college where he'd uh, take a couple of Nyquil and uh, see if he could uh, finish jerking off before he passed out. <laughs> That, that is tough because uh, the act of jerking off can actually put you to sleep, too. So it's, it's like the one-two punch of, of tiredness. <laughs> but, yeah, I, you know, uh, NyQuil, I, I take that, and uh, really within 20 minutes I'm exhausted. And even if I'm having trouble sleeping, which isn't common for me, thankfully. So don't think I'm a, a NyQuil addict or anything. I, I fortunately do not have insomnia, but the few times that I have it, I feel for those that have it regularly because it's awful. It's awful to be tired and to want to sleep and not be able to. And uh, I, I, I've walked in those shoes enough times, not that many, but enough times to feel really badly for those that deal with it on a regular basis. So anyway, uh, this is an overnight show. We will be doing it until we're done with the, the agenda, as, as always. And uh, Calwatt, of course, if you get tired or even if you fall asleep during the show, it, it may be hard for you to keep up during the show since you usually listen to this show to fall asleep. So this will feel like it's like your nighttime routine. Yeah, I'll probably start snoring in the middle at some point. Yeah, he actually has done that before. He actually has fallen asleep <laughs> during the show. Now, he's not the first one to do that, but Trader Ruski does that pretty much every time. So uh, our co-host... Where is Trader Ruski? I'm not sure where he is. You know, I, to be honest, I haven't heard from him very much at all recently, which which is uncommon. Usually, I hear from him. I, I wouldn't say every day, but I hear from him semi regularly. But uh, the only interaction I've had with him recently, and, and no, no reason we didn't have a falling out or anything. It's just uh, maybe he's just busy. But the only interaction I've had with him recently was uh, talking to him to pay him his piece of my. Uh, WSOP money, and here we have a, we have a call. I, th- I think it's the bad guy. Let's let's slap him on here. Call you're on the air. Who is it? The bad guy? You're damn fucking right. The fucking bad guy. Shut the fuck up with all this dumb shit, man. Dumb shit. What do you want me to talk about? Do you want? Do you want? Hey, it's three in the fucking morning. What do you want to talk about? Well, not here. Here it's twelve thirty in the morning. Well, it's three in the morning here, man. It matters where the show's broadcast. You want the bad from. guy, or you don't want the bad guy? It's up to you. I'm I'm not saying you shouldn't be here. I'm just saying that it's twelve thirty in the morning. <laughs> Listen, we don't want to hear about all this fucking bullshit you got to talk about, man. Well, see, people say that, but then they can't describe what Shut they up. do want to hear. We don't listen. You got to interview me now. You interview me. Uh, interview boy. the bad guy. The bad guy finally come back to PSA, man. Okay, so so have you been drinking tonight? That's the first interview question. <laughs> of course you asked that. Yes, well, I have been drinking tonight. Yeah, it kind of seems like that. Okay, so so bad guy, why oh, were you why no, were you no, no, hey, bro? I mean, come on, are you kidding me? No, I'm being honest here. So so bad guy, how long has it been 
or not how long? What was the reason for your long absence from Poker Fraud Alert? I, I, you tell me what you think it was. Well, there could be a lot of things with you. You want uh, me to tell you the truth? Or yeah, you want me yeah. To be fake about no, it? no, I always want the truth from you, dude. I had fucking diverticulitis. Uh, they cut me open like a fucking fish, and yeah. I was in the hospital almost for nine months, man. Not nine months, but the last the last month the last month I was in the hospital. But I always look at the site. I had diverticulitis, man. I lost like forty pounds. That they gutted my ass. Hmm. That's what happened. Yeah, you believe that? I mean, I would have I would have guessed something completely different, but uh, no, it's, it's too bad that that. Uh... Now, were you worried when they? Uh, you said they they cut you up like a fish. W- were you worried? Well, this was going on for a long time, bro. I think this has been going on for like since I've been calling the show, even before the PK to pimp. Okay, but so I was just chalk it up to drinking and shit. But yeah, it was a bad thing because they said I could have a bag on my stomach and all this other shit. Hmm. Well, you know, here's the question. Uh, when when you had to have the surgery for this, uh, were you nervous that uh, when they put you under, something would happen and you'd never wake up? No. You weren't? Because when I did the colonoscopy, they told me it took like five times more like pain medicine to put me to sleep. I'll tell you a true story. After, they, after I got out of this whole surgery, the girl that I go out with that you know, you know her name, you do, but yeah. I actually got out. They like wrapped me up in something like a... Like, I, I think it was a fucking blanket, man. And they threw me on the ground. My shoulder hit the ground. And I got up after they put me back in the room, and I somehow got up. I was in a room all by myself, and I called her on the phone to get me the fuck out of here. I need help. If you had a radio show, and I probably would have called you. That's a true <laughs> story, man. The worst thing about the whole thing was for two days, my fucking arm hurt, and they wouldn't give me anything to drink. Like, they wouldn't give me any water or anything. That was the worst thing about the whole... Wait, so how, how can you go two days without water? You could die from that. No, bro. They wouldn't give me any water or anything to drink, man. Nothing. I, ice chips, that was it. Like, it was the worst. Oh, you had, you, was, you like, had to drink ice chips? to get out of there. So See, you had to drink ice chips? Well, not, well, I let them melt. They wouldn't give me anything to drink, man. That was the worst thing. The, the worst thing in the whole surgery was not having anything to drink. I'm telling you this. You, they, yeah, they wouldn't give me anything to drink. No drink at all. Well, isn't that dangerous to go that long without drinking? Ask them. They did it. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Two days, man. I couldn't have anything to drink. I, I've, I've heard that, that I some had people. I up my nose. Shit, I mean, my dick had things in it. I well, mean, it well no, here's the question Were they giving you fluid intravenously? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that's expl- that explains it. I thought you were just getting dehydrated. I, I couldn't understand that. No, yeah, but still, even though that they have that shit hooked up to you, I'm on, dude, I'm on this pain medicine where you can just press a button to get you high. I guess it gets you high. I don't understand how anybody can get addicted to pain medicine. I still don't know it. Put it this way. I'm on generic insurance. You know that. <laughs> they gave me pain medicine when I came out of there, and they only get, like they gave me like 10 milligrams of Oxycontin, and the insurance wouldn't pay for it, so they told me to get me get 15 milligrams, and then the insurance would pay for it, like welfare insurance. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. How the fuck does that happen? I, I don't know. It's a stupid They'll pay for 15 milligrams of Oxycontin, but not 10 milligrams. So, so wait a I minute. Mean, you're, you're, saying that, you're saying people, you said you don't know how people can get addicted to pain meds? I thought there's been... No, addicts. because, I, dude, I was on the best pain medication money can buy, and I don't understand how you can get addicted but to I that. Th- I, really uh, I thought you've been accused before of having a, a pain yeah, pill exactly. problem. Yeah, exactly. Thanks to you. Yeah, we can talk about that now, because I want to. <laughs> yeah, thanks to you. Dude, I don't take drugs, bro. I don't. 
and I didn't drink for two. Dude, I lost forty pounds. Uh, when I, I, I guess I guess that's a, it, so. Is that, is that a good thing for you? I don't know if you were. Did you want to lose weight? Probably a good thing. I drank too much. I mean, but I never. I'm not a bad eater or anything. But yeah, I guess it's a good. thing. I mean, I would. I would. T- I would take. Well, when you like today, get diverticulitis, you lose forty pounds drinking all that Pepsi. Yeah, like I, I would take losing forty pounds. I, I wouldn't want to lose more than forty, but I, I would take losing forty. Dude, yeah, it's a lot of. I didn't lose forty. I lost like thirty eight. You know, I you know I take that back. I probably don't want to lose forty. I'd, I'd probably lose bro. thirty. I'd probably like I lose mean, 30. do you care? I'm I'm the superstar of your show. Do you care? <laughs> do, do, no, I, I wouldn't want you to die. I mean, that's that's. I'm glad you're back here. I had no. Oh, I, oh thank you. No, I had no thank idea you. you were in danger. I had no. See, but this is this I is like. There. I did. There was no danger in the whole thing. The, the, it was just a fucking joke. They were letting me go home. The one day, dude, it was just, it just it was a repetitive thing. I was dealing with this when I called the shows before, man. It's just a it was a repetitive thing that I didn't know I had. I just chalked up the kidney stones and stuff, and I just wanted to go to the hospital. You know, and I I, I have I, something to ask you about the past because I, I was listening to the call to listen line, and mm-hmm. uh, I heard one of your old calls. I don't even know when it was. I don't know what the date of that show, but. Uh, it's funny, like I hear that I hear the old shows sometimes, and it's really weird because some of the things I remember really well doing, and other things I it's like I'm hearing them for the first time. Even, I'm like even hearing myself for the first time. So one of them right. I, I I didn't remember at all. It was you talking to me about having another kid, and that you named mm-hmm. this girl after 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 our after one of our right listeners. after one of the PFA listeners. So so how old is this girl? Yeah, now? Bailey. Her yeah. name's Bailey right now. How old? How, how old is Bailey now? She's going on two. She'll be two uh, nine twenty three. You know, I may have to suggest you change her name because Bailey not only abandoned Poker Fraud Alert, but she uh, unfriended me on Facebook. <laughs> I, I don't know why either. Like I didn't do anything to cause hey, it. Like, hey, do I say? Hey, do I do what I say I'm going to do? <laughs> Admit it. I mean, when was that? When I said that. Well, no, she had already been born. You, you, you told me that. No, she was not born. She was not born when I said that. No, shit. no, no. Because you told me oh, about when the... I said on radio. Yeah, we said on radio. I said that to people on the thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's a good name, man. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad. So she said she's almost two. So I guess that show was in 2014. All right. Well. Oh, so we're done now. Uh, I, I, I don't know. More stuff to talk okay, about. Okay, well, the thing is, you—I'll tell you something. I gave you the special privilege. Hey, bro, of, it's three in the fucking morning here. You want me to call it six in the morning? No, 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 no. I know, but I, I, I gave you the special privilege of answering before the intro and everything, <laughs> just just because it was you, and because uh, I knew everyone would be excited. I thank you. I thank, everyone thank would be you. excited for the bad guys' return. The, the only thing is, I do have to uh, get on with everything with All the show. Right, but I'll if you want to call back later, I, if I'm up, I'll call at the end and we'll okay. talk. Okay. Other, otherwise, you can call next week. We'll be on. At least give me time. that respect, man. Is that a deal? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. Sure. I mean, Jesus no, no. Christ, I'll answer. Man. I'll did answer you, later. Did you get my, my that Bitcoin debit card thing? I, I got nothing. I sent you a PM, man. Oh, I, I. When did you send it tonight? I didn't check the PMs tonight. Today, I sent. It, I sent it this morning. You gotta read that. Okay. Man. I'll, you gotta I'll, get that Bitcoin. You gotta get that bit. Pay. Everybody out there that gambles, get the BitPay debit card. You can get three K out a week. Don't tell anybody. Don't put it on the forums because we don't want them to close it down. It's better than that teller. Okay. Well, I sent it to you, man. Check it out. I'm okay, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Okay, thank you. All right, hey. 
Yes. Say something good for the bad guy, man. No, I, I'll say okay. I'll say one good thing for you. People, people will sometimes uh, criticize the bad guy or think he doesn't know what he's talking about. But one thing he's an expert on is is Bovada and Bodog. Bovada. It's it's, ama- it's amazing how much this guy knows about Bovada and like uh, I, I've had problems with Bovada this past week, so which I'll talk about. Shortly. Hey, I'm glad. Hey, I hope you get all that fucking fifty-two grand. That's way more than me, man. That's crazy. No, it is crazy. I'm. I, I, but they love you like a brother. You've been there for twelve years. Thank I, I hope. I hope I so. Thank God, man. I, I don't think. I don't think they I love really me do. too much anymore. But I, I, at least I've, I've got an active account at the moment. So that's that's the most important thing. So okay. Uh, right, I'll call you at the end, man. I'll, I'm going to stay up tonight. Okay. Very good. All right. Take care, brother. All right. Thank you, bad guy. So I, I did something unusual. We took the bad guy call just because we haven't heard from him in a long time, and he's a uh, an icon of the show. Not Mike on the icon, but just the an icon. So uh, anyway, here, here's what's going on tonight. Uh, no free roll. Reason for no free roll is because the show's on really, really late and most people can't make it. I know we have had very few free rolls this summer, but the good news is we will have a free roll next week. Next week we're going to be back to our regular 7.30 or so Pacific time time slot with a free roll. Everything will be back to normal. Uh for the foreseeable future, we will be having shows on Wednesday night at that time. I don't foresee for at least a few months, I think, me having to change anything. Maybe the occasional change, if uh, cause I never know when uh, Ben's mom has to leave town and uh, I have to uh, watch Ben, in which case I cannot uh, do the show until he goes to sleep. But other than that, I, I think my schedule is pretty clear on Wednesday night, so we should have some more stability of this crazy schedule we've had during the summer pretty much for the last uh, two months. Uh, Kawat, you still awake? I'm here. Okay. Believe it or not. <laughs> still awake. All right. Very good. Well, I figured I'd just let you and bad guy go, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to make sure you hadn't fallen asleep. It's uh, it's fine. Uh, yeah, you'll hear the snoring, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's right. I forgot about the snoring, the telltale snoring. Okay, so uh, we actually have... Somewhat of a long agenda tonight because uh, I guess it's because we've been off for 15 days and I don't know if I'll make it through the agenda. I, I don't even know if I'll make it through the agenda <laughs> to, me, to be honest here. So, uh, and the sad thing is, I actually have to like just wake up when Ben wakes up. So I, I hope he has a long sleep tonight. So uh, anyway, here's here I have some topics I want to discuss that are personal to me. Some have to do with poker and gambling. Some don't. I'm going to start off with those. Uh, the four topics: I, I took a vacation to the Eastern Sierra Nevada in. Uh, you know, the West and uh, California and Nevada, including Mammoth Lake Tahoe, Sequoia National Park. I'll talk a bit about that. And an unfortunate car accident I had during the vacation. Of course, you know I didn't die in the accident. Unless I pre-recorded this in the event of my death. You never know. Uh, I sent out two payments to Poker Fraud Alert members who chose not to receive their payment electronically. They wanted uh, paper checks. So I sent these two paper checks on the same day, July 18th, for the pieces of the World Series of mine that these two people bought. One is a radio listener. The other is a radio listener and forum poster named Telefriend. So I sent checks to the two of them. And those checks never made it to their destination. They appear to have been stolen by someone at the post office, and then the checks were used to steal money out of my bank account. I'll tell you what happened there. And both if of them? What? Both of them. Well, I mean, those checks weren't directly used, but they got my account number, and then it went from there. I'll uh, explain what happened. Then 
more disturbing. If that wasn't bad enough, I had a worse story occur, a worse financial story at the same time, pretty much. Bovada, the main place I play poker, and I also bet sports on there, Bovada decided that they were going to freeze my account, and my account had just a small sum of $52,000 in there when it was frozen, and they would not tell me why. And the saga's not over. My account's been unfrozen, as you heard me say to bad guy, but it's not over yet. I thought it was over, but it's not over. It's, uh, it's like I'm living the sequel right now. It's like, a, it's like in a, a movie, a horror movie, where the bad guy dies at the end, and you think it's over. And then at the very last second, you see him move his finger, and you can see he's still alive. So Play that effect again. <laughs> no, I, when I told you I go to sleep listening to the show, yeah, and I would wake up and have the shit scared out of me every time you played that effect. Oh, this one? Yeah. Now, let's see. Is there any any other effect that would scare you like this? No, oh, that one's not so bad. But that that one effect was the, the, so much louder than everything else. It scared oh, okay. the shit out. But of it's me. not that loud now, is it? I mean, relative to voice, yeah. You know, is it? I I thought I turned them down. Hmm. All righty. So. You're dozing off, and you hear that right in your ear. Let me just tell you, I, I it guess, scares the shit out I, of you. I, I guess the reason it's loud especially is because it's a, like a constant effect where a voice goes in and out constantly. So, right. All right. So anyway, uh, last story about me is that uh, there's been an intellectual theft from this radio show by another radio show. I'm going to talk about uh, what that theft is, and I'll play you the clip from that show where they talk about – Stealing something from here. They steal Northern California guy? No. It, it wasn't the theft of a person. It was the theft of, of, of something that's very dear to me. All right. So, uh, oh, I, you know what? I forgot to give the, the intro of the phone numbers a lot. If you want to call during the show, phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also text that number anytime before, after, or during the show, and I will respond to you. And I also may read your text on the air unless you ask me not to. Don't ever feel bad to text that number. Don't feel bad about the time you're texting me or that you're bothering me. I mean, you might be bothering me, but I won't ever tell you you're bothering me. I'll give you an answer, and I'll, I'll be very polite to you, and you know, you'll feel like you're texting a friend, even if I can't stand you. So, you, yeah, you can really text that number, 775-372-8355, anytime. You can call that number during the show, during the live show. If you want to call the Mount Charleston line, you can. That's another phone number to the show. That's an old 70s rotary telephone I have on top of Mount Charleston that forwards to wherever I am. That phone number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. Some people have asked me, where is 775? Yeah, 702, I've, it's mostly Las Vegas, but this particular number is Mount Charleston. But 775, most of you that know of 775 will think of it as Reno. And indeed, 775 is Reno. But 775 is actually all of Nevada except for the Las Vegas area. So it could be really anywhere in Nevada. What I've never told you guys before is that our main phone number, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, is actually located in a tiny town called Amargosa Valley, Amargosa Valley, Nevada. And it's right by Death Valley. Death Valley is one of the hottest spots on Earth. 
In fact, I think it has the, high, the highest recorded temperature ever of, I believe, 134 degrees in 1912, I think. That's the hottest recorded temperature on Earth ever. Uh, in the summer, most days are over 120 degrees. Occasionally, it tops 130. And Amargosa Valley is a tiny town right outside of Death Valley on the Nevada side of it. Uh, Death Valley is in California, but right on the Nevada border. Interesting place to visit. I wouldn't advise going there in the summer, but in the winter or the fall or the spring, early spring even, uh, you can go over there from Vegas. It's not a terrible drive. But that's that's where the 775 Fraud 55 number is. It's not up in Reno. It's actually not that far from Vegas, and it's right by Death Valley. So, And the, the call to listen line. The call to listen line is a feature of the show where you can listen to the show without having the internet or a computer or a smartphone or a data plan. All you need is a phone that can dial, even an old school phone. Just call 712-775-8162 and you can listen to the show from any phone in the world. You can also hear the streaming reruns on that number when we're not live because the Poker Fraud Alert radio server just streams random reruns from our four-and-a-half-year existence. Just picks one randomly and runs it as if it's live, and when it's over, it picks another one and does that over and over and over again until we go back live again. So that's both on the call-to-listen line and if you go to the radio page of Poker Fraud Alert, which is the radio tab near the top of the screen, you can listen directly from there, or you can go to the TuneIn app, which you can get for your smartphone, and listen that way. The reason for the call-to-listen line, by the way, is if you have a data plan, you don't want to waste your data, or if you just don't have a very good internet connection, or if you don't have a smartphone, uh, or if you just don't, don't want to deal with all the buffering and other crap that comes with listening to stuff over the internet, it, this is very reliable, very easy. It's the easiest and quickest way to listen to Poker Fraud Alert. It really is. And it's never busy. No matter how many people call it, I have uh, a lot of lines set up, more than I would ever need. Uh, that can take the call to the call to listen line. 712-775-8162. If you forget that number, just go to the radio page. It's right there. If you forget the number to the call to call into the show, that's right up there too. If you want to text Brandon and give us some general, gentle encouragement to appear on the show tonight, you can text him anytime at 203-299-2436. 203-299-2436. That is his text number and you can text him anytime okay so going on with the rest of the agenda Matt Marafiati who we thought may be dead he was missing the police were investigating he had not been heard from in over a month we thought he was either dead or in rehab well no he's appeared and says he's fine and claims that he's been too busy for social media so we'll talk a bit about that there's a relatively new podcast out there called Fighting Chance, featuring Kate Hall and Dan O'Brien, two professional poker players in their early 30s. Someone asked me what I thought of it. I hadn't heard of it before, but uh, I, someone asked, what do you think of this? So I decided to look it up and take a listen to it. I'm going to play you some clips from Fighting Chance and tell you what I think of it and also give you a surprising detail about the cost of that show. You guys know this is a low-budget operation, a very low-budget operation. Uh, we don't do post-production. I don't have any employees. I don't pay anyone for any services to Poker Fraud Alert. I do everything myself. 
Only thing I pay for is uh, basically the web hosting. So everything, all the labor is done by me. It's a very, very low-budget operation here at Poker Fraud Alert. Yeah, but it gets the job done. It, it, it works. But some of these other productions spend a lot of money, a surprising amount of money. And Fighting Chance definitely does. We'll talk about that and play clips of the show, and I'll give you my little review of it. We have a member of Poker Fraudler who also listens to the radio, a young guy named Crypt. He is uh, a Persian young man who I believe is still in college. And he has been seeing prostitutes recently. Well, he said he was meeting a redhead prostitute at a Holiday Inn, I think in his area, which is near Washington, D.C. He said he'd come back and give us a report, as he has in the past. And Crypt never returned. We will discuss whether Crypt is in the crypt. A poster on 2 Plus 2 claims to be an online poker botter and explains the methods he used. I'll tell you if I think it's credible. And in a related story, the CEO of the Winning Poker Network claims that he will ban anyone who even looks like a bot, even if he has to ban innocent people. And he doesn't care. He says, if you look like a bot, I'm banning you. I'll probably ban some people unfairly, but oh well, too bad. Kind of weird for a poker CEO to say, but that's what he said. Caesars has sold off one of its pieces, but one that you probably don't care much about. Their social gaming platform, Playtika, has been sold for a lot of money to a Chinese group. We'll talk about that. The Maryland Live Casino, which of course is in the Baltimore area, they will soon be facing competition from an MGM casino called MGM National Harbor. Before MGM National Harbor is even open, there's already a controversy where Maryland Live thinks that MGM National Harbor is stealing their customer data. The Trump Taj Mahal, which is a bit of a misnomer because Donald Trump has nothing to do with it anymore, it's going to close. The icon of Atlantic City, which is now a dump, is finished. It's going to be finished very soon. It's going to close after Labor Day. We'll talk a bit about the Taj. See if uh, if Calvot's still up then. He can give us his opinion because he's an East Coast guy. Have you been to the Taj much? Not in a long time. Yeah, I I had one experience there, and it wasn't good, and I never went back. No, I mean, really, in uh, Atlantic City, the Borgata is really the only place that I really would want to set foot in these days. Yep, I agree. And speaking of that Borgata, that's our last uh, poker and gambling-related topic. Boyd Gaming has sold its 50% share of the Borgata. It is now fully an MGM property. General Topics. A big hacking of a Bitcoin exchange, BitInfinex, which was often used as a reference point for the price of Bitcoin. It was hacked for $72 million, causing a crash of the Bitcoin value. The question, is your Bitcoin safe on any of these exchanges? Or is it just a matter of time before your Bitcoin gets stolen from whatever exchange you're using? Donald Trump seems to be melting down. It's starting to look like not only may he lose, 
but he may not even make it to the end of the campaign season. What if he drops out? I don't remember if this has ever happened. I know it hasn't in my lifetime where one of the two major parties candidates has dropped out during the general election, but I could actually see it happening. We'll talk about uh, Donald Trump and uh, what's happening with him. So that's our agenda tonight. See, I got texts here. Let's see what the texts are before we get going. If you want to chat in the chat room, you can go in there and talk with the live listeners of the show. It's, it's a reduced live listening audience because we're running so late, but actually bigger than I expected. And the audience is, uh, I'd say we about half, half the live listening audience that we usually do when we run at a normal time. So uh, I got a text from the 586 area code who had just tried to call the show and I didn't answer because he's not the bad guy. And the text he sent to me was, called the wrong number, disregard my live call-in. I've never used the call-to-listen line, but I'm digging it. (laughs) So, yeah, I understand the confusion because they both have 775 in them. The call-in number is 775-55 and the call-to-listen line is 712-775-8162. Even I get confused. So, let's see what else. I think we got one other text here. From the 716, uh, hey, Druff, it's Polish Prince from 716. Did you ever figure out anything about the call to listen line when I told you about my carrier Cricket Wireless saying that I got my account suspended because I breached the terms of service? Can you please read this on the air? Well, too late. I am anyway. I would like to know if anyone has had this ridiculous situation. Also, I'm listening listening on the call to listen line. Haha, ha, that's how much I love your show. Thanks, Druff. Keep up the excellent work. So what this guy's saying here, and he told me about this before, I just forgot to mention it, is that the call to listen line actually got someone's cell service suspended. And he asked them why, and they said that uh, you're not allowed, this is Cricket Wireless, which, I mean, that's part of the reason. That's I wouldn't advise using Cricket Wireless unless you're 80. But... I, 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 he got it, his cell service suspended because they said that uh, you're not allowed to use it to just listen to something. It has to be an active conversation back and forth. And if you call and just listen to something, then they, they see it as wasting minutes and they suspend your service, which is dumb. Like, like why is it up to them what you do on your phone call? Uh, unlimited should be unlimited. I, I'd understand if he left this thing on 24-7. But if he wants to call a few hours and listen to the call to listen line, why, why is this any different than calling his buddy and talking for a few hours? So it's dumb. I've never heard of this before. Uh, I would suggest changing cell phone carriers. I don't think uh, bigger carriers are going to worry about this crap. You know I, who owns Cricket? Who? AT&T. Hmm. But I bet they operate separately. I bet even though they own it, they, they operate yeah. separately and under different rules. Yeah, yeah, they do. They, they bought them out uh, about three years ago. Yeah, so, the, you know, they're probably being a smaller operation. They're worried about uh, people wasting airtime and, they, you know, they don't want it, the network getting clogged, blah, blah, blah. So they try to crack down on dumb things like this. But how many people are like, are, how many people are really wasting time calling call to listen items? Like, what percentage could that possibly be of cell phone traffic? It's got to be tiny. I don't know, Druff. You might bankrupt Cricket Wireless. <laughs> Maybe I've started a call to listen revolution. Well, actually, I have. Actually, that's that's going to bring me to my next topic. I I actually have started a a uh, call to listen uh, 
revolution and one I wish I didn't start. Sometimes uh, you're a victim of your own success, and that's what's happened here. I wouldn't say my success, but the call to listen line's success. So the poker cast experience. Train my day. Poker cast. My night. Uh, that's the two plus two poker cast. I didn't mean for it to play like that. Uh, okay, let me turn this off here. Okay, so the two plus two poker cast. One of their hosts is Adam Schwartz, who's a Canadian. Actually, they're both Canadians. Uh, Adam Schwartz and Terrence Chan. And I found out recently that up until when poker stars jumped ship from them after like seven years of sponsoring the show, they were paid very well. Like they, they were really making good money over there. Like uh, poker stars was just shooting off big money on sponsoring that show, which made me really jealous. Like I, I do like the independence of not having sponsors, but boy, I got jealous when I heard what the figures probably were for that show. So anyway, that's not the point of what I'm saying here. But but Adam Schwartz, who's one of the hosts, and in fact the long longtime host of Two Plus Two's Poker Cast, he listens to this show every week, and he said this is I think he said this is the only show he listens to besides his own, of course. So that was actually flattering to me to hear him say that and to know this because uh, there's a lot of options for poker shows out there, and for the host of one of the major poker shows, one of the most listened to poker shows, to choose this one to be the only show he listens to, or maybe one of two he listens to, that was flattering to me. So I appreciate that, and I like Adam personally. Every once in a while he says something or does something on the show that I disagree with or I am surprised by, and I'll I'll mention it on the show sometimes. Well... There's something that I'm very proud of with this show, and that's the call to listen line. Now, the call to listen line, it's not – I didn't invent this. Uh, there's other radio shows, terrestrial and internet shows, that had call to listen lines before I did. So I'm not going to say I invented the call to listen line. I'm not going to be an Al Gore saying I invented the internet, okay? I, I did not invent the call to listen line. I, however, was the first poker show to have a call to listen line. Like no other poker shows had it. Live, podcast, whatever. None had call to listen lines. I was the first one to do it. And in fact, when I did it, everyone laughed at me. Everyone said, why would we need this? It sounds stupid. Who would ever use that stupid thing? But but people are more and more using it. We get about 22,000 minutes listened on it every month. Well, Adam Schwartz, who listens to this show every week, he must have been brainwashed by my constant praise of the call to listen line, my constant pride in the call to listen line. He must have gone to sleep every night jealous. He may have said, yeah, I'm cashing a big paycheck and Jeff is losing money. Yeah, I I have a bigger audience. Yeah, I I broadcast from a bigger site with more traffic. Uh, Yeah, I'm Canadian. I mean, he, he, he got to lay his head down on the pillow and take pride in all these things. But... I bet before he'd fall asleep every night, he would be infected by incredible jealousy that he does not have a call to listen line. He doesn't. And he he knows if people wanted to hear his poker cast, they would need a computer or a smartphone with a robust internet connection. And I think that pissed him off. And I think that uh, his life was not complete. And I think he felt uh, inferior in a way to not have this. 
So, oh, God. So, uh, so Adam Schwartz, uh, he, he set out to correct this. And listen to what they revealed on 2 Plus 2's PokerCast at about the nine-and-a-half-minute mark on July 22nd, 2016, which was about uh, two weeks ago. I don't, I, think it, I don't think it was the same thing. Pod once yeah. in a while. Actually, still their idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm, I'm incapable of stealing ideas from the PN pod, despite being accused of it. Yeah, they're incapable of stealing ideas, but listen to the next thing they say. Because you don't listen. Donnie's no longer single, so uh, uh, I don't think he's allowed to give out Tinder tips anymore. <laughs> That's probably a bad idea. <laughs> Uh, we uh, mentioned that we were out at the Podcast Movement Conference in Chicago uh, a week, two ago. Now, hang on a second. The, the Podcast Movement Conference? Have you ever heard of that before? I only heard of it because, uh, I mean, I heard them saying that they were going to go there. I mean, I, I would imagine the impetus for them doing that is the loss of sponsorship. Yeah, I mean, I've never heard of this conference before. I, mean, I wish we had the budget to go to Podcast Movement Conferences. Like, uh I, I just don't have the budget to do anything. This show has zero budget, and uh, we don't we don't have uh, booths at the World Series. We we don't go to conferences across the country. We we don't do any of that stuff. And uh, but anyway, they did, and uh, Adam picked up something that he really coveted. Two ago, what was it? Three weeks ago now, a while yeah. ago. Uh, anyway, what we did was we picked up one of these uh, call to listen to the show lines. Oh yeah, T, have you heard of this? I have, I have not. You can it. listen to many podcasts now have a phone number that you can call, and it's just uh, not a repeating loop because I think it identifies your number and where you are in the show that you're listening. Like, let's say you listen to 25 minutes of our show on this phone line, and you hang up, you call back, and it knows your phone number, so you pick right up at the. So it's podcasts for like grandmas? No, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Podcasts for grandmas? Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Stop the music here. That was Terrence Chan. He has the nerve to call the. He has the nerve to insult the call f- to listen line. Say it's it's, it's a podcast for grandmas. That's that gets me really angry to say that to say it's podcast for grandma. This is this is something that twenty two thousand minutes worth is listened to for this show alone every month, and it's, it's growing every month. It's not podcast for grandmas. There's many practical reasons to use this, Terrence. And for you to mock the call to listen line, if if you were not an MMA champion, I'd probably kick your ass for saying that. So that's that gets me angry. But anyway, that's uh, listen to them go on discussing this. Oh, what? Well, because what happens is some people have unlimited uh, unlimited uh, minutes on their phone, or they're calling from a landline uh, that they can call locally, whatever, no toll. But a lot of people have caps on their data, right? So when you're listening to a live stream of a podcast, you're using data. And uh, so this is a different way. For some, it's not it obviously interesting. Like I mean, I always download my podcast. Me sort too. Of before I hit the road. I never, I would never use this. But for some people, I can see where I, it would be. Well, useful. and grandmas. Like I mean, if you grandmas. wanted your grandma, you know, call this number to listen to the. To oh my god! Yeah, show, my mom yeah. would use that. Oh, you know, so get your iPhone, which you probably don't even have. Open the podcast app. Hit the subscribe button. Do plus do like that. That is a non-starter. Six steps that aren't so, going to happen. But you could tell your grandma to dial one eight six six whatever. Well, the problem is, if you get your grandma to do that, she's got to stand right near the wall uh, that the phone is hooked true. up to because <laughs> it's not. It's got a cord. It's got a cord. She's got to stand there. No, we, we don't want that. 
Anyways, uh, we're going to get that set up. Uh, probably, hopefully, Ross can get to it. We're going to take next week off. I'm away. And by the way, you know, you can tell that I'm giddy because we're leaving. Okay. Then he goes on about some golf game, which isn't important. But, yeah, they're, uh, now notice they did not mention me. Now, I don't blame Terrence because he doesn't listen to the show. But Adam, he, he like, he quotes everything that I say about the call to listen line every week, but he, he mentions nothing about about poker fraud alert having it. Now I believe that he probably saw this being promoted in some way at uh, this Chicago conference of his. But uh, do you think if he didn't already know of this call to listen line through listening to poker fraud alert, you think this would have interested him in the least, or you think uh, he would have just like brushed right by it? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the fact that you were using it probably had something to do with it. I'm sure it had a lot to do with it. I'm sure, like, like, yeah. I'm sure he he heard about this and he's like, you know, I I have no idea how one of this would be how one of these would be set up. But, you know, who really like, I, I think he heard about it at, like from this show every week, and he heard me bragging about it so much, and then <laughs> it, it kind of just went in his head, but didn't it just kind of in his subconscious? And then he's at the Chicago conference, and probably someone over there was promoting. We have a call to listen service. We can hook up with your podcast. It's like, whoa, hold on a second. Yeah, or at one of the presentations. You yeah, know, he's like, wait they, a minute, yeah. wait a minute. Now we can have it too. Well, well this is going to be easy. Have the rep right here. So he's like, so we can have a call to listen line too? Well, yes, you can, and we'll set it up for you. Okay, great. So, yeah, they're, uh, so they're probably going to have it. Like I, I think the next show is, is going to be this week, and uh, they're going to – I don't know if they're going to have it already, but uh, probably by the end of the summer – they're going to have one, but I don't understand their plan here because I don't believe that they're a, a live show, and it didn't sound like their plan was to do what I'm doing, and that is just to, when they're not live to stream reruns. So he said something like it, it remembers your number and plays from when you hung up last. I That must be different than what I've got going, and I don't even think that's an ideal format because uh, – I, I don't know. Like it's it's just kind of weird. Like, what well, are if, you using a service to do it, or you set it up yourself, or what? I, I set it up myself. Now I, I didn't have all these uh, these phone numbers. You know, I said it has like pretty much unlimited lines to call into. I, I didn't have all these unlimited phone lines to spare. I had to uh, use a service somewhat for this. But uh, uh, but because yeah, there are services out there that will do it, um, and my guess is they're probably going to use one of those. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm guessing that uh, yeah they probably are, and uh, but I'm wondering that's kind of a weird way to do it to, for it to trace your number and then remember where you were, and I guess play. So what you're going to call in? It's going to play the beginning of the episode, and then you hang up and call back like five hours later. It's going to continue where you were. To me, that's a little bit weird because maybe you don't want that. Maybe you don't want to start exactly where you left off. Maybe you want to hear from the beginning again. Maybe you just I would think the best usage – I don't know why I'm giving them advice here, but I would think the best usage of this would be just for them to run random reruns on it and or or, or if they do broadcast live. I know for a while they were experimenting to like broadcast live on video, so I, I don't know if – do you know if they're still doing like a live audio broadcast or is, it, is that gone? I don't know. I don't think so. I know they were doing it for a little while. I'm not really sure if yeah. they are. So if it's gone, then I don't even understand what they would need it for because it's not uh, – other than, I, mean, I guess that's one application to call in and have it remember your number. But what ha- what happens if you call in, you listen to half the podcast, and then the next day they do a new one? Like, does it just start over with a new one? That, that's why I think 
It's kind of a weird plan. Anyway, I, I got a lot of texts about this. Like people just hammered my text messages of, "Oh my God, Adam Schwartz is stealing your call to listen line!" Oh, like people were so angry about this. Uh, the truth is, uh, I, I don't really care. I'm just, I, I'm just busting Adam's balls about this. I, I, I don't really care that this is being stolen. Uh, I, I do think that this was an idea that he got from hearing this show, and then when the opportunity came up at this conference to get it. That's why he went for it, and I think that uh, this is something that, unless you're someone who's obsessed with telephones like me, like I've always been, uh, when you hear about it at first, you can think it's stupid, and you can think to who would want to use this, and you know this sounds antiquated, and who would want it, and then you realize, that's what I thought. yeah, and then you realize this is actually something that's kind of like uh, what I describe as a low-tech solution to a high-tech problem, because uh, uh, there's so many ways that you can have issues with uh, using up all your data or or uh, having poor internet connections or whatever that that where it can actually be useful. There's many ways it can be useful where it doesn't seem like it would be useful. So uh, that's that's probably I probably talked him into it accidentally from by promotion of that line. Okay, so let's get to the, back to the rest of the topic. So I went on vacation. And, wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. So so no lawsuit. Yeah, uh, I I think. I'm going to have to skip the lawsuit because only because I can't prove it. Well, well, only it, could, beca- it could be like that full tilt lawsuit. You could spend you know, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars and you end up with a check for 50 bucks. Yeah, well, it's true. And it's, it's tempting to make $50 that way. But I think the only reason I can't sue Adam for this is that I can't prove that the idea came from me. He was smart not to say on air. That no. it, that even if the idea did come from you, you can't sue him. I'm going to sue him for copyright violation. That's that, a... <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> you can't copyright an idea. It doesn't work like that. Okay, I, maybe I patented the call to listen line. Well, okay, if you patented it, then maybe, maybe I did, and I haven't told a lot anyone. Of money. Yeah, maybe I haven't told anyone. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, anyway, that's so that's that's what's going on with that. So I, I went on a trip from uh, the 21st through the 30th. Went uh, to the Sequoia National Park, Kings Canyon National Park, to Yosemite, which was jammed like I've never seen. I've, I've learned that uh, going to Yosemite in the summer is bad enough, but going during a weekend is even worse. That's like the one-two punch of just massive crowds. So do not ever go to Yosemite on a Saturday in July. It was super crowded and so crowded that like they would close things that you could normally just drive into and see really quickly. They would close it and then make you take a bus in there, and the whole what, what's normally like a fifteen-minute process takes like two hours. It was it was awful. So that uh, that I'm not going to do again. But then we went to Mammoth and, and also Lake Tahoe, and uh, but driving between Mammoth and Lake Tahoe, uh, a little bit south of uh, a city called Walker, which is near the border of California and Nevada, a deer ran right by my car, almost you know, almost into my car, but ran by, and I swerved the car a little bit, not much. You know, the deer did get around my car, but not by that wide of a margin. So I, I turned to my girlfriend, and I said, uh, I was about to tell her about the deer, and right before I opened my mouth, boom! And I thought, oh, no. I knew what that had to be, a second deer. Mm. That jumped right into my car. So that's what it was. And I, so when I heard the boom, of course, I look at the window and I watch it. It's, it's, I can still picture this. It's not a 
pleasant sight. I see a baby deer tumbling, like rolling from the front of my car to the side of the road. Oh, man. And so I, I obviously stopped. I was also concerned that the car was damaged badly uh, and that maybe even damaged badly enough where I couldn't continue driving it. So I stopped, uh, assessed the damage. Uh, surprisingly, the damage, while there was some, was not massive. It, it's going to require a trip to the body shop, but it was uh, uh, the damage was, was only moderate and not what you'd expect from hitting an animal. So there were some pieces of, that fell off the front of the car that I was actually able to snap back on. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's a hole in the bumper and there's a, there's a park distance control feature got destroyed from this and a few things like that. There's a little dent in the hood, but, uh, for the most part, it was actually, uh, much less damage than I expected. Uh, I actually went to the deer, the deer, uh, was dead. So it seemed to have died on impact. So that's at least the deer didn't suffer. Uh, it so is your Bambi, your Bambi killer. I, I actually was, it was, it was a, uh, baby, uh, female Cute little, Bambi with a little it, it freckles was. on its back and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's what exactly what it was actually. Uh. And uh, I actually read that 1.2 million accidents with deer occur every year in the United States. 1.2 million. So that made me feel a little bit better. That uh, I mean, there's nothing I could have done. I, I I felt bad when it happened. I was uh, I, I was not happy that I, I killed a baby deer there, but uh, there was nothing I could have done. It, it just actually jumped right into my car because they, the baby deers, they, 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 they don't, they don't really know what they're doing. And the, the mother deer wasn't very smart to usually, you know, the mother deer is better at uh, protecting the babies and that uh, they don't run in front of cars. But this one decided to chance it, I guess. And, uh, you know, just barely got by my car. And then the baby tried to follow and went right into my car. Just, uh, it was, and it's of course being low down to the ground because it's not tall. Uh, I could. There's no way to see it either. So it's just bang. So just ran right into it. So it that sucked. It was that was depressing. Uh, fortunately, the, the you know Benjamin did not see it. Benjamin knows what happened, but he didn't see it happen. He didn't see the deer roll afterwards. He, you know he just was sitting in the back and he knew, but he took it fine. And uh, yeah. The, uh, also, what was good is that I was in. You know, people in chat are saying, "Oh, he's, he cares about the damage of the car." Well, I do care. I was in the middle of a trip. If, if the car was damaged beyond being able to drive it, that would have been really, really, really bad because you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. This was not by a big city. In fact, I don't think I had cell phone reception over there. So that that would have been very tough. But uh, no airbags deployed. Nobody got injured. The car was still drivable, still is drivable. I haven't fixed it yet, but uh, going to be fixing it very soon. And, uh, yeah, so that, that was that was depressing. And uh, that's the first time I've ever hit an animal of that size. The only other animal I've hit in my life was a cat under very similar circumstances. 25 years ago, I was driving, and uh, a black cat ran across the street, and again, just like this deer, barely missed my car. And I thought, wow, that was close. I'm glad I didn't hit that cat. And then right as I'm thinking that, boom. And I look, and I hit a second cat that was following it. And again, it was dead on impact. So that was the only two animals I've hit in my life. And, uh, you know, both times I felt bad. But, yeah, so the golfer in chat is saying, uh, saying to me, Druff, 
you should have cooked it, is what he's saying to me. He's saying, I, I, I was getting the laugh track right. He said, yeah, you, sh- you should have cooked it. Well, I didn't, but uh, something else did. Uh, not cooked it, but uh, I went back. Because I happened to be passing by there again. And uh, the deer was almost all gone. Only the hoof was remaining. You so, didn't leave it on the road, did you? You I, dragged well, it off to the side at least? No, no, it dragged itself to the side. It rolled to the side. I didn't oh, have to okay. touch it. it. It naturally rolled to the side. It was, it, was, it was instantly dead. So I believe the impact killed it, or if it didn't kill it, immediately it was dead within you know, a few seconds. And then uh, uh, it was just on the side. It was on the side of the road of, already. It just happened to land there. So I didn't. All right, to... you can add it to your titles. Todd would tell us, "Killer of baby deer." <laughs> I mean, there's there's people. I, I thought about this too. There's people who go out and, and hunt these for uh, for sport. Yeah, they don't hunt the babies. Yeah, no, still they they it's just killing killing a deer. So <laughs> no, I, actually, in, in places uh, hunters are paid to go do it. Yeah, um, I know. I know some places they actually have to yeah. because of, of overpopulation and things like that. So. Yeah, we have that up here where uh, the hunters are in, in some places are actually paid to go and try and cull it. Yeah, like like I couldn't do it. Like I, I couldn't go out and just like shoot animals like that. I would, even if it was, even if I knew it was necessary because there's too many of them. Uh, I I still couldn't personally do it, even if I knew. Oh no, yeah, you couldn't shoot one, but you could run over a baby deer. I, I okay. could, but I wasn't trying to. I, that's the difference. Uh, just, allegedly, <laughs> I mean, who knows. If oh, you thought you thought I was just doing the road, it. You're all pissed off. You're like, I'm going to fuck up that nice little deer yeah, over there. Yeah, God, people stole from my Wells Fargo account. I got it. I'm going to take it out on this deer. No, it. Uh, and I, I, I felt bad about it, but uh, it's harder to hit the babies. They're smaller. Not, not when they jump right into your car. This one, <laughs> this one acted like it was like trying to hitch a ride or something. Uh, it was just a poor, confused little baby, and you just ran it over. Yeah, but yeah, I'll tell you. For some reason, reading that 1.2 million deer are hit per year made me feel a little bit better. Like that, this is that this just must be so common with with the deer that just run out and get hit. That uh, if, if more than a million, I don't know if they all die, but you got to think most of them do uh, perish this way. That this is just a common thing that it's very tough to avoid. I know for me, it was impossible to avoid. It's just. Uh, it just happened. In fact, even if someone told me, if they gave me the exact location, I would know. But let's, let's say someone told me today you're going to hit a deer on this drive. Aside from just like choosing not to drive at all, if I, if I just knew I had to drive and knew if I drove, I would hit a deer. And even if I delayed the drive, I would still hit the deer. Like there's no way around that. I, I could not have stopped it just by watching out for it. There was no way. Like it, it was just that quick and it was impop- impossible to see. So. Well, at least you didn't hit the deer with a motorboat. <laughs> then you'd be called in for, you know, motorboating a deer. <laughs> you know, I, I, not, not only that, like, I, I have to say that when it was over, like, I had mixed feelings. I was thinking, well, this this really sucks that this happened, and I feel bad about it. But on the other hand, uh, there, there people die from accidents yeah. like this. Or and cars get totaled from things like this. Even if you don't die, people get injured. Or even if if you don't get injured, you could have it where like your airbags deploy, and then you, you can't continue driving the car. And like yeah. this could have been a really really bad situation. It could have ranged from a bad situation to a terrible situation. This was just like an unfortunate and sad situation. But uh, I, I was able to continue with everything, and, and no nobody except for the deer got hurt. So yeah, full, a full-size deer will fuck up your car. Yeah, actually, what happens to 
a lot of people is it scares the shit out of them. They swerve and they go off the road and hit a tree or roll their car or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's true. So yeah, you know, and, uh, the same thing happens down in Australia, except that it's the kangaroos. Really, you know, I didn't know. Yeah, about that. I mean, from uh, you're know, you're from around here, and you think of kangaroos as you know cute little animals, but it's really <laughs> the same thing down uh, in Australia with kangaroos. Wow, they're a they can be a nuisance animal, and they get big. They get big, and there are, there are a ton of car accidents uh, involving kangaroos. Like I, I knew that. Uh... I know kangaroos are big. I didn't know that they were ones that actually run into cars like that. That's that's. Oh yeah, I mean they're in certain areas of the country. They're as prevalent as deer are in yeah, a lot wow. of areas here. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, I I've thought of that. That you know, I could have hit a cow. I could have hit a full size deer, and it could have been a very different situation. So if I if I had to pick to hit an animal. Of of that of you know other than like a tiny animal, if I had it, you know this this actually reminds me. A number of years ago, my brother and I were planning to uh, take a trip down to Central America, and we're gonna we're thinking about driving down there. You know, driving all the way down through Mexico and all that. And uh, one of the things that we read is that a lot of the 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 ranchers out there don't have fences around you know where they keep their cows and other livestock and stuff like that. And there are a lot of highways that are super dangerous to go on at night because the cows would sleep on the road. Oh, wow. Because the road would stay warm, right? So uh, you, can you imagine? Like you're driving along, geez. there's some cows that are just passed out in the middle of the road. That would be horrible. That would be horrible. I've, I've actually <laughs> thought of that too, like about driving like all the – like it just kind of seems cool to just drive south all the way through Mexico and Central America and just drive all the way at least to, yep. to, the, to the Panama Canal. Can you cross that on on, on a car? No, the um, oh, oh the canal itself. Yeah. yeah, but there's still an area. Oh God, I forget what they call it. Um, there's still an area where there is no road connecting uh, Central and South America, um, and there there still is no way that you can actually drive the full length all the way down to South America. Yeah, I actually read though about uh, some guy who who just decided to be inve- adventurous and he rode his motorcycle, intending to do that. And uh, he ended up going through some Mexican town that was going through a drug war, and he didn't make it. He just disappeared, and it turned out uh, something happened and got killed there. So, <laughs> uh, that's right. It's called the Darien Gap. Okay. I just looked it up. So Darien Gap is kind of between uh, between Panama, where it connects to Colombia, and it's this big area where there's just no road at all. I think it's like 50 miles wide. Uh, okay. There's just nothing there. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't want to do it anyway, just because of the danger in Mexico these days. Just to drive all the way through it, I would have to think you could end up running through one of these. Uh, yeah, and also you could hit a speed bump that's a cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's see here. Um. Oh, the Wells Fargo thing. So th- this is uh, this is. An annoying story. Two people chose to get checks for uh, for poker fraud alert. The uh, not for, for my World Series pieces that they bought through the through poker fraud alert. That uh, in fact, Calwatt was one of the investors, but I paid him through uh, electronic means. But never never got it. <laughs> 
If you never got it, then uh, I'll, I'll have to send you a receipt at the end of the show, just to, <laughs> just just uh, just in case you're trying to double collect from me. But these two guys, uh, they also never got it. They they really didn't. They they really never got my checks. And I, I mailed these on July 18th, and I noticed neither checks had been cashed. So I. I actually had gone onto the Wells Fargo website just to see, you know, if these checks had been cashed. And I said neither were. And then I saw two charges that I did not recognize. And it said Target debit Target debit card ACH Lancaster, California for $24 and something cents and Target debit card ACH Palmdale, California. For $175 and something cents. And the reason I played that music is because I didn't make those charges. July 26th, when these occurred, I was on my trip. And I was not on my trip to Lancaster or Palmdale. Lancaster and Palmdale are considered the Antelope Valley. This is uh, an area about 60 miles north of Los Angeles. And it's not a very good area. People moved there in the 80s and 90s primarily because it was new and it was cheap and it was a way to get away from the problems of the inner city in Los Angeles. So for the same rent people were paying or even if you owned your house or the same cost of the house, you you get a nicer place and you get away from the crime of the inner city, especially if you have a family and you don't want your kids joining gangs, yet you move out there, yeah, you're 60 miles away from L.A., yeah, you're kind of in the middle of nowhere, but much nicer place to live. Well, that was a good idea until everyone started doing it, and then those places had their own gangs form, and they developed a pretty bad crime problem. And it's uh, crime has gone down since the days of the 80s and 90s, but there's still not very good areas today, and it's... Generally in Lancaster and Palmdale, and I apologize if we have any listeners there, but most people living in those areas are basically trashy people of of all races. There's white trash there, black trash, Hispanic trash. There's just a a lot of trash over there. It doesn't matter what race you are. I'm not saying everybody there is trash, but that's that's the general uh, type of person you're going to run into over there. So uh, there's a lot of... Identity theft, a lot of fraud originating from there. Anyway, when I saw that, I knew for sure that this was fraudulent and that someone had stolen my account info. So, first of all, it was hard to tell what what did Target debit card ACH mean? Did it mean that someone used my debit card? Or did it mean that uh, somehow they got a Target debit card and charged my account? I didn't understand. Well, the, the when I called the Wells Fargo uh, fraud number, I got the Philippines, and they were not very helpful. And first, they said it was it was actually a regular ACH, meaning like uh, e-check type uh, transfer out of my account. But then later, he said, "Oh no, it was a debit card." So he didn't know what he was talking about. It turned out the truth was that yes, it was through a Target debit card that has the ability to withdraw money from my Wells Fargo bank account. Now, you may ask how that is possible. Well, this is what happened. I dropped these two checks in the mail in a blue post office mailbox. It wasn't in the post office. It's one on a street corner, but a busy street corner. I dropped that on July 18th. Neither 
check ever made it to its destination. And both people I mailed it to live on the East Coast, so it's unlikely either of them would know anybody in Lancaster or Palmdale. And since they both did not receive it, uh, that would count out either of them from being involved in this. Not that I suspected them anyway. I didn't, but uh, that would rule that out in case you're suspecting it, because both did not receive it. So clearly someone stole the mail if both didn't get there. And eight days later, someone had my account number and routing number for that same account that I used for those checks, which you would see if you got one of the checks in your hand. That person then went and made up their own check with my account number and routing number but with their own name. So they uh, I, they either printed up their own check with, with Photoshop or something, or, or maybe they ordered checks online. You can, you can do it. it doesn't, uh, you don't need to prove anything, and you can do it very easily and quickly. But eight days later, they had a check with their name on it with my account number. And the reason they wanted that was because they walked it into Target, and they said, yes, we'd like to sign up for the Target debit card. So the Target debit card you can get if you have a blank check and you present your ID, and you give them your social, and they run it, and it all checks out. Now, what's really dumb is the one thing they can't run is the name on the bank account. So someone must have known this. And that's why they got away with it. They were actually able to get a Target debit card in their own name against their own social using my bank account to charge every time they charge something on it. I had no idea that was possible. But uh, it has been confirmed by the credit card company that uh, handles the Target cards, which is a TD Bank. So that's what that person did. Somehow they only ran $200 of charges up, both in the same day, you know, 25 plus one, about 24 plus 175. And then they didn't do it again. Why, I don't know. Maybe they were waiting some time and then they were going to hit me again at some point, but... It's such a pain in the ass. I, I had to go – I didn't have to, but obviously at that point, knowing that this info had been compromised and used to set up uh, f- debit cards in other people's names, obviously I was uh, not going to continue with that account anymore. So I, I had to go into Wells Fargo and close the account. And then it's not that simple to close and reopen a bank account because the bank really, really wants to forward transactions from the old account to the new one. They really want to do that. So – a piece of advice to you, if you if you close a bank account and then reopen an account in that same bank, if you write a check from the old account, it's usually going to go against the new account when it's when it's uh, cashed. Or if a, an automatic payment comes from your old account, it'll go to the new one. Well, that's not a good thing if you were a victim of fraud. So they kept trying to talk me into doing this, saying it'll be fine. You know, the, If someone opens up another debit card, it won't work. It's only the automatic transfers I've already set up. I said... How do you determine what's an automatic transfer I already set up? What if they use this target debit card again? What if they set up another debit card? There's no way for you guys to tell. So they were really, really fighting me on it at Wells Fargo. Finally, they, they did it for me, opened up a new account and completely shut down the old one. Then I had to call up 10 different places that I had auto pay with. That, uh, and I had to change it to that new account. What a freaking pain. I did get the money back. It took a few days, but they gave me the money back. But I, I wanted to take it further because I, I wanted to 
find out who is behind this, maybe even mess with them on this show. How much money did they get from you? Uh, $200, which I got back. But, and it, it must have been like an incredible amount more than that in terms of the, the hassle and pain in the ass that they caused you. Well, it was. And, and what I'm also wondering for them why they committed these crimes for $200. But I think maybe they got – because both checks disappeared, I'm, I, this is what I think happened. I think someone at the post office probably is doing this to a lot of people. And they probably, you know, every time they're handling a letter that looks like it could be a check, they just steal it. And they probably have like a whole stack of them and go through them. So they maybe they're hitting a whole lot of people at once to where it becomes worth it. Yeah, they probably do just a little bit at a time, assuming that, you know, they're going to be closed down soon anyway. You know? Yeah, and that's another reason. I mean, they, with a new account, they don't want to red, raise red flags by buying $800 worth of stuff or something. Right. Or maybe right. they're even keeping it uh, low so they're not uh, committing a felony, technically. So I, I don't know why it was only 200 and why they didn't do it again. Because it was like a week between when they did it and when I got the account closed. So they could have – they had a whole week they didn't do it again after that. So I, what, whatever – uh, but yeah, it was such a hassle. And yeah, I mean the the pain in the ass that they caused you was kind of, they got a wasted many hours in frustration on your end. Yeah, they did, and I and I got back the two hundred dollars. But and boy, Target was so uncooperative. In fact, the the Lancaster store. If if it was earlier in the show, I'd call them and show you how how nasty they are over there. Yeah, we I call, call the, we call them uh, Target around here. Yeah, you, you know what? I I used to be anti-Target. Then I became pro-Target because like there's one around me and and. Uh, you know, I liked it. It was uh, easy to find stuff. They have a good selection. It's cheap. Like, like I, I actually got to like Target, but I got to like them a lot less after this because this Lancaster location, boy, were they nasty to me. I called them up. I told them the story. Instead of feeling sympathetic for what happened to me and how they contributed to it because of their stupidity with how someone can sign up for a debit card using my account number in their name, uh, instead of apologizing for this and, and telling me, sorry, this happened to you, they were really nasty saying, well, have you filed a police report? Well, no. Well, then uh, file one and call us back. Like they, they were really nasty with me that because I hadn't filed a police report, they refused to deal with me. And, Is this and Lancaster, Pennsylvania? No, they, they probably would have been better the, uh, dealing with the Amish. But uh, uh, <laughs> I, I was dealing with instead the, the white trash in, in Lancaster, California. Oh, and, and yeah, and they were really nasty with me. And then I kept telling them, look. The bottom line is my bank account, my money was used to make a purchase of this target. So fraudulent or not, I have a right to know where my money went. I have a right to know what was bought and how it was bought. But this is before I knew how it was done. I found out later. But at this point, I knew nothing. So I kept asking him, like, can you explain to me how this was done, what was done, you know, how, how was there a charge on my bank? It wouldn't answer anything for me. And they kept saying, we can't tell you over the phone. I said, okay, then I'll go into a local Target, identify myself with my identification to the store manager. I'll have him call you guys and say I've been identified as, as the actual owner of that bank account. Now you can talk to me. No, we don't do that police report or nothing. Like they, they were really nasty with me. And then when I asked, let me speak to the manager, they said, no, the managers authorized us to make the decision here. Um, you're talking to me. That's all you're going to talk to. And then they hung up on me. I, I called back. I said, I'd like the name of the manager. We're not giving that to you. Goodbye. Hung up on me. I called back again. I said, yes, I'm the one you just hung click. So I decided, all right, they're going to play this game with me. I called them up like like 50 times in a row. <laughs> and they just stopped answering their phone. I'm like, screw them. You know, like, uh, like I, I was a freaking victim of this. I just want to find out how my f- – they stole money from me. Like they didn't do, do it on purpose, but their store was used to steal money from me. I just want to know – what my money was used to buy and under what circumstances and how it happened, 
and they, and they're refusing to tell me and refusing to tell me even who the store manager is or let me talk to him. They're just uh, blacking they me out. The wrong Jew. Yeah, so, I, so I, I literally called them like 50 <laughs> times, and they just like they, they literally stopped answering the phone at that target. They actually stopped answering the phone for the night oh. just to get rid of me. So then I thought, you know what? I'm going to call the Palmdale one. Let's see if the Palmdale one's any worse. So I called the Palmdale one. But what a difference. The Palmdale one, they were so nice. I, they, they transferred me quickly to like the acting store manager. It wasn't even the store manager, but like the whoever was managing at that at that time. Very nice girl who like was very sympathetic. She said – Look, you know, I'll, I'll level with you. We don't have that information in store. Once a purchase has been made, we can't go back and look it up by your account number. There's no way to do it otherwise to do it for you. But I said, well, can you tell me that, walk me through the process of how someone would do this? And she told me everything. Like she told me generic, like not specific to me, but how someone could have pulled this off. And she was correct. And then she gave me the right number to call at the debit card department. And I called them. And that's when they looked up my account number and told me what had happened. So like... But then they got uncooperative too. After I found out what happened, then they told me to call back the next day and speak to the fraud department. I did, and the fraud department told me, well, we're not helping because since this was stolen from your bank account, your bank needs to investigate. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute. The bank doesn't need to investigate. The bank is not a police force. The bank just cares about the money. And the bank made the decision already that it was fraud and gave me my money back. And that's where the responsibility ends. The bank, all they're doing is processing the transaction. So it was fraud. I told the bank it was fraud. The bank agreed it was fraud. And they gave me my money back. That's where the responsibility ends. They don't have to investigate it. Nope. The bank has to investigate it, they told me. I said, okay, I want to have a point of contact here for the, for, for the police when I go to the police on this. For them to call you guys and you can give it to the police. If you don't want to give it to me, you can give it to the police. Sounds like you're talking to uh, Jesus Ferguson over there. Yeah. Like, and, well, did you get your money back? Yeah, exactly. So, so, <laughs> so, so they, so the the Target credit card people actually told me that no, I cannot have a contact for the police. <laughs> so, so they refuse to give me anyone that the police can call to talk to to get this information. They literally refused that, and then they hung up on me. Now that, that in in Target's defense, that was actually not Target. That was actually TD Bank, who manages these cards. But but basically, what I learned here is everybody wants to pass the buck. Nobody wants to deal with this. They they all want to wash their hands of it. So the bank, which you know Wells Fargo, which is a huge bank, two hundred dollars is nothing to them. So they did a very cursory investigation just to make sure I wasn't lying to them. And once they saw enough to believe that yeah, I was a victim of fraud, okay, give the guy his two hundred dollars back. Get out of our hair. And, and admittedly, that's all they have to do, but they're not going to investigate. Target then blamed it on the bank and said they're not going to investigate. Uh, no one will even tell me what was bought or, or uh, any information. It's like for, they're, they're protecting the privacy of the scammer, even if I can prove who I am. And so nobody wants to do anything. They wouldn't even give uh, information to give to the police to contact them. Nobody wants anything to do with it. And, that, and that's part of the reason identity theft runs so rampant in this country. And I've heard of this before, where it's very hard to get anyone who's interested in helping. Everybody wants just out of the situation. So I didn't even bother going to the police because uh, what am I going to say? Uh, call Target and navigate their menus and get to the right person, which takes forever to do because you know you always get the wrong department for this type of thing. They don't know what to do. Like, there's no way the police are going to do this for a $200 uh, theft from, that, that occurred uh, many miles away in, in Lancaster and Palmdale. 
They're, they're never going to do you for killing that deer, but not for this. No yeah. In, fa- in fact, the police will ask me, uh, okay, well, the, did you get the money back? Well, yeah. And then the police are going to say. So I, I didn't even bother. Like, like Target's not going to help. I, I was going to do my own little investigation and find out, who, you know, if I could, who was behind it, and then try to mess with them on the show, or, 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 or maybe then report them to the police. Like, I, I, I did want to get the person in trouble for it. The only thing I might still do, because I'm convinced this was someone at the post office, because of how it all went down, is report this to the postmaster general's office and. Uh, if this has been happening to other people who've also reported it, maybe they'll get someone. Based on my report alone, they're not going to do anything, but maybe – because I think this is not just aimed at me. Like I know it wasn't aimed personally at me, but I, I don't think I was the only one who had their mail stolen for this. So maybe if people keep having checks disappearing, mailing from this area or from that same center that's processing the mail, uh, maybe they'll eventually catch them. So I, I'm probably going to report it just for that reason. But I'm not expecting any resolution. And if there is, I'll probably never know. So yeah, that was annoying. But even more annoying, even more annoying was when I went on to Bovada where I had $52,000. And I logged into my account. And I was all ready to place a sports bet. And I found that it gave me a message that my account has been frozen. That's not good news. You, you don't want to see your account on an unregulated online poker site with $52,000 in it frozen. So that, that was very unnerving. I've never had my account frozen on Bovada in the 12 years I've been there. It was very peculiar, and it did not have a very encouraging message. This is what it said. This occurred on, uh, on August 1st, just uh, two and a half days ago. Hello, Mr. Wattellis. Your account has been disabled as we're unable to verify your profile information. In order for us to verify your account, we require that you submit a piece of government-issued photo identification and proof of address. At your convenience, please scan or take a picture of this information and email it to us at verification at bovada.lv regards Bovada Financial Services. So that was really weird because I've had this account since like 2004, 2005. I've made so many deposits and withdrawals, more withdrawals because I've, I've been a winning player on there for a long time. I haven't played consistently since 05. I, I played, then I quit for a while, then I came back, then I quit for a while, then I came back. But I, I played a whole lot on the account overall. A lot of deposits and withdrawals. Never a problem. Never any issue. Everything's always been fine. They verified my information and my ID last year. Or either, if it wasn't last year, it was late 2014. So I thought there's no reason for this. Why would they suddenly need to verify me, and, and why verify me to the point where they're disabling my account? So I thought, well, maybe it's because I was logging in a few times when I was traveling, but I wasn't traveling far. I was traveling within California and Nevada, so like, it's not like I was doing logging in from China and they're getting worried. So the only thing I had done recently that, that I thought might be raising their ire, though it had nothing to do with with verification, was that they had and still have a deposit bonus where if you deposit Bitcoin, uh, 
that for every deposit of Bitcoin up to $500, you will get a 20% deposit bonus. And you can keep doing it over and over. It's unlimited number of times you can do it. So if you want to deposit 5000 in Bitcoin, you just do 510 times, and you will get a 20% bonus, which is $1,000. Now, you have to clear the bonus by uh, playing on the site, but nevertheless, you do get a bonus. So I did this. Now, knowing that they may be a bit bitchy about depositing when I don't really need the money, because I already had like 46 k on there. So I had a feeling they may bitch about me depositing with 46 k already just to get a bonus. Because I'd seen something in their terms of service about like you, you can't withdraw just to redeposit. And that made sense. Like they don't want you withdrawing money and then just putting it right back in there for a deposit bonus. That makes sense. But, th- but the money that uh, I had on there before all this was money I could have withdrawn at any time. I, I could have withdrawn it all like in the month and a half prior and then been, been left with zero and could have deposited then. It would have been fine. So just because I hadn't withdrawn yet, I, I, that, that shouldn't matter. So I, so I figured if I deposit new money without withdrawing, get the bonus, and then withdraw money that I already had available prior to this, that shouldn't be an issue because I could have withdrawn that money before. But just to make sure, I called Bovada and I asked them. This is before I got suspended. I, I called them beforehand and I said, can I do this? And I described exactly what I want to do. I want to deposit Bitcoin, get the bonus, and then withdraw afterwards other money that was already available. They said, yes, you can totally do that. So I did. So I thought maybe this has to do with it, but why are they asking me for my identification? Like if it's about bonus abuse, why aren't they saying you you violated our terms, your account's frozen? Like why say we want to verify your ID? So I called them up and they said, yes, you need to send an ID. Why? We can't tell you, they said. Why can't you tell me? Because we have to make sure we're really talking to you before we give you any information. Like This is BS. How long is it going to take to verify? Uh, 48 hours, they tell me. So I got really pissed, and I started you know, getting really mad. I said, look, we're, we're dealing with a lot of money here. I've been on the site for 12 years. There's no reason to have to verify me to the point of freezing my account without telling me why. So if, if you're going to do that, at the very least, put me on the top of the list to, to look at my identification I'm sending in. Because... It's different to have your account frozen for identification or just to need identification for a cash out. Like I should be ahead of anybody who's just needs their ID verified for a cash out, but it can still play. I, I have my account frozen with 52K in it. That should be top priority to look at my ID and then talk to me about it. So they said they do their best. I actually had the guy on the phone like check the email to make sure it got through and that it all looked good. So I had to send in my ID. I had to send in a utility bill matching the ID, which fortunately I had. I always thought the utility bill thing is so stupid for a few reasons. Uh, first of all, not, al- not everybody has that. What, what if you live with your parents? What if you live with a roommate who has it in their name? Uh, th- there's many ways that you wouldn't have a utility bill in your name that matches it. And what if you don't have it? So then, then at that point, you have to like Photoshop one. So like, like, and, and they're so easily Photoshopped that even someone without a lot of talent in Photoshop could make a convincing-looking utility bill by just scanning their friends or, or scanning one they have access to or scanning an online sample and then just modifying it. So it's so stupid to ask for that. It, it really doesn't prove anything, and it's just a hassle, and it's something not everybody has. But anyway, I, I did actually have a legitimate utility bill that matched the address on my ID, so I sent it in, and I was really nervous. 
And I knew that day wasn't going to be resolved. So, early the next day, at about 12, 12.30 a.m., so it was less than 24 hours later, I got a message from the financial team that they want to talk to me. And I thought, that's weird. Why are they working at this time? Well, it turns out it's because they're in the Philippines. That's why they were working at that time. So I called up. They transferred me to the financial department, which is very unusual. Usually they will not talk to you, this financial department. But they transferred me there without me even asking. And I got a lecture from this Filipino guy that I did a, a very bad thing with this bonus, that I'm abusing the bonus. And I said, what? He says, uh, so he, he asked me, he says, can you tell me, he says, can you tell me why, why do you deposit to, to Bavada when you have 46K on the site? Why, why, would, why would you deposit more, more money on the site? So I, I told him honestly, I said, I deposited money because you had a, a promotion for 20% deposit bonus. He's, okay, so I am telling you, you, you told me you are, going, you are depositing money to take advantage of, the, of our bonus. I said, no, I'm not taking advantage of it. I, I'm, I, I'm just, uh, I'm redeeming your offer. And then he says, well, this is against our terms of service. We cannot allow you to take advantage of the bonus here as you have done, as you have admitted you have done. I'm like, oh, crap. Did they just like catch me and they're, like admitting I'm guilty or something? Like, I'm trying to explain to them that logically. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't. make a, a bonus offer, why can't you use it? Yeah, and so dumb. Like, like, like poker stars, when they had deposit bonus, did they ever say, no, 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 you can't have this much money in your account first? Like, they never said that. You, could, you can always deposit, even if you don't really need the money, if you want to get the benefit of a deposit bonus. Otherwise, don't have it. And there's nothing in the terms saying you can't have such and such money on the site or before doing it. It does say, like, ambiguously, you can't do it to abuse the bonus, but there's no... There was no specific language against what I was doing, and I even called to make sure it wasn't. So I even told them, like, look, I called up and spoke to your one of your reps, and they said, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, Our rep probably told you the wrong thing. I'm like, okay, well, now, now we know. So, they, so, they, so basically they told me that they're not closing my account. They're just giving me a warning. That they agree that the rep probably told me the wrong thing. That they're not going to even take away the bonus that I, I was given here. So I can, I can still clear the bonus and get it. But just they're giving me a warning I can never do this again. So I said, okay, I understand. But what is, quote, this? Like, what can't I do again specifically? Like, what, what is the mini- what's the maximum I can have on this site to deposit again <laughs> to get a bonus? And, and the guy just would not answer the question. He just, he just kept dancing around the question. And I, I told him, he's like, so then finally he says, uh, oh, you can deposit again to get the bonus when uh, your account is out of, has been depleted of funds. I said, no, I, look, that doesn't make, that's not good for me because I said, I play 3060 limit hold'em shorthanded at multi-table on this site. I don't know how familiar you are, familiar you are with this, I told him, but those games have a lot of variance and uh, you can lose $20,000 very quickly if you run badly. So I, I need to have a, a lot of money on the site. Now, I admit it to him that I didn't need more than 46K, that here I did deposit because I wanted the bonus, but that if I got down to like 14K, I may want to redeposit legitimately because I want more money on the site. So I said, look, if it gets down to that level, I may want to deposit again. If there's a bonus, I'd, I'd like to get it because that, that would be a deposit I really need. So he... he he didn't say yes, he didn't say no. He just like was dancing around like what the amount would be. So I finally just volunteered it myself. I, I finally said, well, if I'm at an amount that I really need to redeposit to play comfortably, 
then I'll call in and discuss it with you guys if, if, it's, if I think there could be a question in the whole thing. Uh, I said, I, I do promise I will never deposit again if my account's at 30K or more. So he says, okay. He says, I'm reopening your account. Uh, you know, thank you for, for being understanding with this. That's it. So I'm like, okay, this, this is stupid, but whatever. Like I, I, I was just happy to have my account open again. I, I, I really thought maybe they were just going to find some flimsy reason to steal the money from me. So I was happy it was over. A big weight was off my shoulders. I went to sleep happy. Unfortunately, my relief was uh, short-lived. It, it lasted for uh, one day. Yesterday, which is about 12 hours ago, I, I received this following message. Hi, Todd. We're, con- we're contacting you from Bovada Customer Service. Upon thorough review, we've made the decision to block all bonuses from your account. Not to block all bonuses, but to blocked all bonuses. I guess they went back in time and did it. Rest assured, we didn't reach this decision in haste. <laughs> and once we'll have an update about this matter, we'll let you know. Should you have any questions, let us know. Best regards, Bovada Customer Service. So the funny thing is I got this almost identical message about the haste thing a few days before that when they, when they lowered my betting limits in the sports book. They said, rest assured, we didn't make this decision in haste. That must be the thing that they're saying these days whenever they drop the bad news on someone. Why would you even care about that if they made it in haste? Like It's a bad decision against you, but you don't care how quickly they made it. But what does that even mean? Once we'll have an update about this matter, we'll let you know. What update? They took away my bonuses. So I called them to find out what the hell they're talking about. And I said, look, I thought this was done. Like, like, why are you punishing me now after the fact? I thought everyone agreed that I was told the wrong thing by the Bovada rep. And that's why I, I deposited this way. And that now that I know you can't do that, I won't do it again. But you've got to give me a chance to, to behave the way you're asking me to. You can't punish me now. So the Filipino guy I talked to this time tells me they're not punishing me. That actually what happened was that it's just a coincidence that right after my account was reinstated, they just happened to do a routine examination of my account and my use of uh, and, and and they decided that since I'm a pro player, that they don't want to issue bonuses to me anymore. <laughs> N- nothing to do with what happened here. Nothing to you know. They took away my bonuses for good after suspending me for the bonus, but they, one had nothing to do with the other. They claim, even though they happened yeah. within like a day of each other. Just a routine service check. That's all. Yeah. So I said, come on, you must think I'm stupid here. Like, uh, like uh, just admit the truth. If you want to admit that you're, you did this to me because you're mad, you, know, you think I'm abusing bonuses, you don't want to give them to me anymore, just, just say so. Like, don't, don't, don't tell me this is a routine check. He's still insisting it's a routine check. So I said, okay, if it's a routine check, if you guys are shutting off bonuses for pro players, how come I don't know a single other professional poker player on there, including ones who've won more than me, who've lost their bonuses for good? How come I'm the only one? He couldn't answer that one. He just assured me that uh, this is just a routine check. So finally I realized I was speaking with an idiot, and uh, I said, okay, forget this. Let's just cut to the chase. Who made this decision? He said it was our marketing team. Uh, Can they call me? I'll send them an email to call you. 
<laughs> Will they call me? I don't know. They might or they might not. So that that's where it stands. So I I, I think the best chance is they're not going to call me at all, and I'm just never going to have a bonus on there again, which isn't the end of the world. Because I, the truth is I don't deposit that much. The, the truth is I, I leave enough on there. In fact, in this case, I left too much on there. You can admit you're a bonus whore. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do admit I'm a bonus whore, but in, okay. the case, in the case of Bovada, I I leave enough on there to feel comfortable playing. It, it just It's such a crappy feeling when you're playing these aggressive limit hold'em games and, and you're running badly, and then you've got to worry about, like, oh, I think this guy's bluffing, and I want to, I want to check-raise the turn and make him fold, but... Uh, I don't have enough chips to do this. I, I don't want to go bust here and not be able to continue playing in this good game. So now, no, I don't want to do that. Like, like you don't want to have that in your mind. You want to always have enough chips on the site to where you can play the way you feel is the best way to play. How, how much was that bonus worth to you? Like one big blunt, one big bet. Well, no, the <laughs> bonus was, you know, the bonus was worth a thousand sixty dollars once I cleared. Oh, wow. So, okay. so yeah, I mean, it was, it was right. I deposited fifty three hundred on there. So. So that's that's like it wasn't nothing, but still, to, to be honest, well, I do it too. You know, if I, if I can go back in time, I wouldn't have done it though. This is this has created a huge chain reaction that I don't like now. Like I, I have a feeling I kind of like woke up the sleeping beast with with Bovada because here, here's what it, it's been kind of like a something else happened. I didn't fully explain. I was running very hot on uh, Major League Baseball bets for most of the month of July, and uh, I won twenty four out of thirty of my side and total bets. And uh, won nine of ten underdogs of uh, of plus one twenty or better in that time. And also, uh, one of our users here daily was posting these excellent strikeout prop bets that I was betting as well, as were many other people on Poker Fraud Alert. So I was winning those strikeout bets at a high rate. I was winning my own picks at a high rate. So they were upset about that, and they and they lowered my sports book limits and pretty much uh, disabled my prop betting. So that was the first strike. <laughs> then a few days later, this bonus thing happens. And then probably after they re-enabled my account, they probably looked at the whole big picture and they're like, okay, let's, let's look at this guy. Let's look at this customer Todd would tell us. Okay, so he's winning in sports. He's beating people in poker and withdrawing all the time. And uh, on top of that, he's a bonus whore. Like, like why do we want him? Like, what, what good is he bringing us? Nothing. So that's, that's probably what they thought. But they didn't want to outright ban me because that would look terrible and create a whole uh, shitstorm. And I, I even told them, like, I always use, like, the power of this show <laughs> to try to uh, beat people into submission. I always say, like, look, I, I've got the – and that's the truth. I got, I got this radio show that, that has a, a loyal following. I've got a forum that's well-read. Uh, I said, look, I, if, you, if anything happens here where I uh, – where my money doesn't, uh, where I don't have access to my money, and it ends up being taken from me unfairly. I, it, you know, this is going to look very bad for everybody. So, like, it, and I think that it is effective. So, but anyway, you going to do send bad guy twenty three over to the Philippines? I, I, he, he'll probably he'll probably go there for free, given <laughs> given how much he hates them. But I, I I really think that holds some water. But but uh, also. They don't have much of a history of, and I know Bad Guy's going to disagree because he, he says they st- stole money from him, but uh, they don't have much of a history of just taking people's money totally unjustly. So if they took mine, that would really erode a lot of confidence that they've built up from most of the public that knows about them for the past 16 years. So I think what they're trying to do at this point is is kind of make life unpleasant for me so I'll just leave on my own. Take away all my bonuses, uh, 
kill my prop betting, uh, you know, demand my ID and, and hope that maybe there's some problem with that so they can send me away. Just just really make it difficult without just outright stealing from me and closing my account. So I wouldn't be surprised if sometime in the near future I got an email, something like, uh, we've decided to close your account on Bovada. Uh, we will let you withdraw your balance, but you're not allowed to play here anymore sort of thing. Like, I wouldn't I, be surprised either. You're on the radar now. Yeah, that's what – like I, I don't think it's that likely, though it's possible. I don't think it's that likely they're just going to steal my money. But I, I, I think it's possible at some point they're just going to say, we don't want you here anymore. You can take your money, but we don't want you here anymore. Because, how long would it take you to get actually get that money off of there? Well, not that long actually because you, you can withdraw 9500 in Bitcoin every five days. Okay. So the, it actually wouldn't take that long. Uh, and that's the best thing about Bovada is they, they have a great – History with uh, with withdrawals. While, while you, other if sites, if you're not using Bitcoin, would you still be able to withdraw that much or no? Yeah, you can. Then you can still do wires like once every week. So okay. yeah, so you can get a lot of money fast off Bovada. Not like the old days with NetTeller, but but uh, but by today's standards, they're by far the best U.S. facing site as far as getting money off there. Mm-hmm. So, and they're experts with payment processing. I'll give them that too. They're the, nobody pr- processes. Uh, illegal payments better than Bovada. So, and I'm not being sarcastic here. Like they, they really are excellent at that. So, like that's, and, and they've also gone 16 years without a major scandal occurring, which is also a, a big accomplishment. So, so, those are the good things about Bovada. But boy, they can be infuriating, and they, they really don't like winning players. They, they really have a disdain for winning players. Even Calvin Ayer himself, who supposedly doesn't own it anymore, but I think still does, he has written blogs about how winning players are terrible for the economy of sites like that so they tolerate winning players they really only tolerate winning players there and i think if they're like a winning poker player but you lose in the sports book then they say well okay we don't love him beating the fish in poker but at least we're getting money back from him a little bit uh, on the backside there's so a fine but well, like they probably it, just look at account flow overall you know like how much money's going in and how much is going out well, yeah, but I, I mean, I've, I've had a positive account flow for all these years, but I think I think well, they can why look. They don't like you. Well, yeah, definitely. But I think <laughs> if they can see a silver lining, like okay, he's beating the fish, but at least he's losing some of it back directly to us. And sports books are fine. But when they see you not only winning yeah. everywhere, but also then redeeming bonuses, they're like, wow, this this person is really a, a, just a, <laughs> a a parasite on us, and we, we don't want him. And like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not doing anything dishonest, but. Uh, they they just don't want it now. Some sites like the like Carbon Poker and uh, some other sites these days are actually kicking off winning players. They're just saying goodbye. You know, you can have your money, but leave. And I I don't see it as being unrealistic to believe this will start happening with Bovada. That they're just going to make a decision at some point to just get rid of the winners, not steal from them, but get rid of them. So picture the the scene in the Philippines where you know some worker is hunched over their computer and they say. Oh, who is Talvotelas? <laughs> I don't think he needs to come with us no more. <laughs> hey, go get this guy. He's uh, we winning uh, very much on our side. Uh, he, what does he bring us here? Nothing. He did not bring us anything. We we call him. We ask him for his ID. Maybe he give us bad address. We can kick him off the, for that reason. <laughs> oh. I don't know, man. You slip it into a little Mexican there. Yeah. Well, they're kind of his, they have 
uh, a bit of a Hispanic background in the U.S. Uh, because the Spaniards went over and had sex with a lot of the Filipinos. Well, there you go. Mean they, they have a Spanish accent. <laughs> they have a weird accent in the Philippines. It's different yeah. than like a Chinese accent. That's true. That's very true. So, yeah, they, they got uh, – so I don't know what my hist- – uh, like I really wish like that 1,030 bonus I got, 1,060, whatever it is, that's, that's not worth all this trouble. It's not, especially because it may have implications later. I hope it doesn't, but uh, – and the reason I really hope it doesn't – you may ask why do I tolerate this. I have people saying, well, stop playing there. You know, the, the, why, why do you allow them to treat you this way? Well, I'll tell you why. Uh, much like the wife who uh, puts up with poor treatment from her husband because uh, because she's afraid if she, if she leaves that she's uh, going to live a different lifestyle and not, and not uh, get his money anymore. It, it's kind of similar to Bovada, except it's even worse because if I divorce Bovada, I don't get any settlement. And uh, they're really the only online poker site that I can play that has the limit hold'em games at the limits that I would like to play. So yeah, I was about to say, where the hell else are you going to play? No, really nowhere. So that, that's yeah. the problem. Is that it? Really, if I'm off of there, that, that's going to mostly be the end of my poker career. Is the sad thing. I like I'll, I'll go play live every so often, and I'll go to the World Series, but that, that's going to be it. I'm not going to have anywhere to go play, and, and I can't go moving around to places where I can play where the games run. Like I, I I'm stuck where I am. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a 25-year-old kid who can just jump around with no responsibility. And and if this is over, then that's a huge thing for me. Now, if these were, were terrible thieves like, like Lock Poker or Ultimate Bet or something, then, then I wouldn't continue playing there. But this is a... They're just kind of a nuisance over there. They're, they're, they, they don't treat me particularly well. They don't treat any winning player particularly well. It's not aimed at... I don't want to act like I'm being persecuted. It's, uh, all winning players are not treated well there. I'm, they're not treating me any worse than any other winning player. But it, it's one of these things where you have to tolerate some of that stuff to play if that's the only place where the limit hold'em games of any decent limit are running online. So that's the, the way well, it is. I mean, from their perspective, you're like the guy who comes in for the buffet every week with a free coupon he sniffed out of the, the local newspaper and never tips. Yeah. <laughs> They don't make shit from you. Well, they make a lot of rake, but uh, they—I mean—they make a lot of rake from me, and I don't get any rake back. So that's true. But but, however, I do suck money out of their economy by consistently beating the fish. And some people wonder, you know, why do they tolerate that at all? Why why not just ban the winning players? But I I, I think that they, in a way, they don't mind that much if the fish lose because. Some fish just enjoy playing poker there, and if you kick off all the winning players, then no games are ever going to go. You're not going right. to have fish just waiting there. So so they, they probably are thinking, well, we need these games to go. We know we're going to have winning players, but that's just something we have to tolerate. Uh, at least we'll get rake from these winning players, and that, that's yeah, just the way it if, is. If not you, they'd have to hire props or something to get the games going. Yeah, so that, that's, that's why they tolerate it, I'm assuming. But at the same time, uh, I'm sure they're very aware that the players like me are sucking a lot of money out of their economy. And and we are. And we're not doing anything wrong to be doing that, but that's that's what we are. And uh, uh, there's a number of people on this site, in fact, who play on uh, Bovada and, and suck a lot of money out of it, too. We have a Chinese Maniac, a set of Ks, 
think uh, beer. Are they and, all bonus whoring like you? I, I don't know what they're doing. But, <laughs> uh, beer and poker. I think he doesn't play the games I play, but he he plays as well and withdraws a lot from there. I think Lou Father does. We have a lot of guys on here who actually uh, play and make money on Bovada. So it's uh, it would be sad to lose. But after this, it was kind of like wow. I I kind of feel like the day might be coming. So if it does, it does. Be uh, unfortunate for me. All right, let's see. Uh, FTP Jesus says, "When the fuck did Filipinos talk Chinese?" I think he was uh, referring to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tagalog. I know they they speak Tagalog. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's go to the next topic here. What was it? I think we start getting to the finally get into the regular poker topics. Uh, let's see here. I always lose the agenda at least once. I always lose the agenda at least once. Okay. Um, yeah. So Matt Marafiati has surfaced. We've talked about him on a previous show that Randy Dorfman posted a tweet saying that Matt has been missing since June 16th. He posted this around July 16th, so a month later. His parents haven't heard from him. No one's heard from him. The police are now involved in looking for Matt Marafiati. No one has heard from him. He's had no credit card usage. He just is completely gone for a month with no trace of still being alive. And there was a lot of theorizing that Marafiati, who has a recent history of mental problems is dead. That maybe he committed suicide, maybe he continued uh, his involvement with some really shady people that he had been uh, associating with, maybe he got murdered, but that he met a an end in some way. Then there was some theorizing that because he was displaying a lot of paranoia that his parents were trying to... Uh, do really bad things to him. His parents were trying to steal all his money. His parents were trying to have him killed. He, he was just going nuts. He really thought the whole world was against him. That maybe he decided that uh, he has to hide out. So maybe he purposely wasn't using credit cards out of paranoia. Maybe he uh, took whatever cash he had and rented some sleazy motel somewhere and was just hiding under the radar, fearing for his life. Well, whatever the case, Matt Marafiati is still alive. And he released this video on Twitter. I am 100% completely safe and have been since leaving Toronto. I am doing nothing but enjoying my summer. But I've been on social media for a while because I was camping. Uh, and I didn't realize that after three weeks, people would already be looking for me, claiming I have this severe mental problem I don't have. I'm just having fun, enjoying my summer in peace and quiet. Randy Dorfman is not my friend, for the record. So uh, I'm not really sure what he's talking about or why he's concerning himself with my family affairs. Okay, so that was the little 30-second blurb he left. The, the background was some kind of background noise. He recorded this apparently outside in the dark. It was a really weird message. Almost, I, 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 I'm not saying this is the case, but if someone was holding a gun to him and forcing him to make this while holding him hostage somewhere outside, like I could picture it being something like this. Like, hey, people are wondering about you. You better come out there and say you're fine. Okay, 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 I'll do it. 
So this is what he wrote. For those of you who wondered, I am completely safe and enjoying my summer. Sorry for not checking social media. Hashtag LOL. So uh, that doesn't seem very likely that uh, he just wasn't checking social media. And uh, it's interesting that he went after Randy Dorfman there, who just expressing concern for him. Yeah, I don't know what motivation Dorfman had to even post that, or you know how he knew this stuff, or if he knew the family, whatever he is, he thinks that Dorfman's his enemy. And uh, he also wrote this on Twitter. He wrote, "Please keep yourself out of my business and family and families in the future, as my life does not concern you." Slash, we will never be friends, Randy Dorfman. You are an ex Wall Street. Miami Swinger Club owning scumbag mobster who happens to be Jewish. So please stop harassing me publicly and slash publicly lying. Why does it matter if he's Jewish? That's not very nice. Because he was a mobster? Yeah, but there is a Jewish mafia. You can all read about the roots of Wall Street online and check out my new YouTube post, which is somehow upside down. (laughs) Hashtag deceitful Dorfman. So... I don't believe this crap about sorry for not checking into social media. Uh, Keep in mind, the police were looking for him as a result of the missing persons complaint. So if it was just a matter of he's off social media, but everything else, he's completely reachable and fine for anyone who wants to find him or has the resources to, the police would have found him a long time ago. The police would have looked into it, found where he was living, called him up and said, hey, what's going on? And he would have said, "Uh, I'm fine. And the police would have told his parents and whoever else was uh, had reported it to them, oh, no, we've made contact with Matthew. He just doesn't want to talk to you guys. Uh, That's it. But but they didn't. The police were involved in saying, uh, call this number if you heard from him. So obviously there was more to it than just uh, I'm not checking social media. And this whole thing about, like, living outdoors and camping outdoors – is really weird. I, I it was probably like an off the grid thing. Like he thinks the only place he's safe is if he goes out and camps somewhere. But who knows? I mean, it, it, I guess it's possible someone is actually forcing him to say this. But I think, given his mental illness, it's more likely that he just thinks everyone's out to kill him, and uh, he's been hiding out outdoors, camping somewhere. I mean, he, he sounded somewhat lucid in that video that you posted. Yeah, he did. That's that's why that's what's kind of the odd thing here. Maybe he's just out getting his uh, his butthole bleached. You know, <laughs> actually, I think that was uh, that was Lauren Kling though. He claimed I think his butthole was clean in the first place, according to him. Well, a... you never know. Maybe he decided it would be a good idea to do it. You know, you know what's funny is Lauren Kling's like always going to be known for that, even though like this may have been a totally false accusation by him, just a trasher. But it's just one of these things. It was said so much, and was just kind of so funny and so uh, so notable. Like 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 now everyone like you hear Lauren Kling. Oh yeah, that's the girl who needs to bleach her ass. Like that's you, the only way I know her. Yeah, like it's amazing how that stuck. Like it's even if it's it's not even true, it just stuck. <laughs> well, it's pretty funny. Like there was a guy in my high school who, and I didn't even like him, so I didn't feel sorry for him. But uh, he was kind of a jerk. But uh, but someone else didn't like him, and someone kept writing around like bathrooms in the school that he was a fag and and uh, to my knowledge he wasn't but they kept writing this and uh first it started out just like little graffiti and pencil in the bathroom then it started showing him in other bathrooms and they started writing it like in darker like marker in the bathroom and then one day like they spray painted like each letter on a locker 
like one locker, yeah. like one letter on each locker, all the way across the lockers. So anyway, uh, by, by by the end, uh, everyone like just got knew this guy. Uh, that, oh, he's probably a fag, even though it wasn't. Tr- it probably wasn't true. And as I said, like I didn't feel bad for him because the guy was just uh, he, he was just like an arrogant dick there. Like he was uh, he was very unlikable, and uh, and he didn't treat me well. So like I, I definitely la- kind of laughed at this whole thing rather than feel sorry for him. But at the same time, Are you I the could... one that painted it. No, 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 no it wasn't me. But I was I I was Not I was a little was a little pencil mark somewhere. <laughs> you <didn't> do it? <laughs> I actually admit though I got I did get a good laugh when I came in that morning and saw like every like what it wasn't on my locker but very close to my locker it was like uh, one letter each each uh, each lo- each one the describing how he's a fag so. But but everyone like you talk around school and everyone's like yeah isn't that guy a fag like <laughs> just like that was how he got to be known. Yeah, just be- it's time to just change schools. It's done. It's over. Yeah, so it's like it's a, it's a propaganda at work. So he he did that to Lauren Kling. That it really made me wonder like did, did, was that really true? Like was she really waxing her ass? Was she bleaching her ass? Like did she have an ass hair problem? Uh, I kind of wanted to know. And I, I mean, I'm, it's certainly possible that she was waxing her ass. You know. By the way, she she's out of poker now. She she now runs like a, a, a some kind of company. She claims to have like Klingon Associates for something having to do with like gaming consulting, but it seems like it doesn't really do anything. It's just like a company she kind of made up, from what I can see. It's on LinkedIn. Well, you know, <laughs> everyone's a consultant. It's really easy well. To here, here let, let me go to her LinkedIn. This is this is actually funny. Let me go. I mean, my understanding is that um, the bleaching and the the waxing are two separate things, right? So girls will wax, you know. I think I think it actually was waxing, not bleaching. I think we're no, no. I remember, I remember. It was both bleach, yeah, <laughs> okay, because right. there was. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not uncommon for girls to wax their bikini area, and I'm sure some of that, you know, goes back towards the the butthole. But the whole bleaching thing is actually people trying to lighten that, you know. Their rectum to actually mm. lighten their skin color around. So maybe ass. it was both because I know I know yeah. he was he was also talking about the ass hair because he made the infamous yeah. hashtag it grows back fast. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing was like while this was all going on, that was the only time I ever played poker with him. Like like the day after all this happened, he happened to end up at a World Series table with me. Oh man! So anyway, the this is what's uh, I guess she technically claims she still plays, but. On her LinkedIn, if you Google uh, Lauren Kling LinkedIn, you'll see that uh, it says she went to Berkeley. And since November 2014, she's the founder of Klingon Company. Klingon Company specializes in management, consulting, and gaming, food, and entertainment. (laughs) What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Like, like, uh, hmm, I'm, I'm starting a restaurant. I need someone to consult with me about food. Ah, Klingon Company. No, no, no. She delivers hors d'oeuvres to your football party. <laughs> and entertainment. What, what kind of entertainment? Uh, prostitutes? I, I don't know what you thought. And in gaming, like what you think Caesars is going to her to consult? Like, I, I, I think this I don't is. I don't see some... any links, though. I don't see any links to like a web page. No, I think it's in her head. But uh, she, <laughs> she, now listen, this, this is. Uh, now, I, I like when people take a professional poker career and make it sound like it's something much more. Uh, Involved than it really is. The truth is, a professional poker career is just uh, basically managing your bankroll and uh, and having the skill to to win in the games you play and to know which games to play. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that uh, y- y- there's not a lot of bullets to put on a resume for being a professional poker player or to be a good looking chick that will get people to stake her. Yeah, that's that's also useful. Yeah. So this is what she put for a professional poker player. <laughs> <laughs> 
since September 2008 to, to present. Las Vegas, Nevada area. Not just Las Vegas, Nevada, but the area. So I guess she did it in, uh, in Henderson, maybe even in Mount Charleston. Uh, developed relationships with investors to raise capital, diversify risk, and leverage ability to compete in higher value events. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't that what I just said? Yeah, that is what, that is what you exactly said. Exactly what I just yeah. said. Be a good-looking chick so people will stake you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were right. Why well, you predicted that one. Uh, utilize statistical software to quantita- quantitatively analyze betting patterns and player tendencies. Over how to use poker tracker. Yeah, she used poker tracker. <laughs> Uh, formulated strategies to exploit complex situational variables such as positional hand rage frequencies, psychological weaknesses of opponents, and instinctual awareness in order to maximize expected values and adapt under high-pressure scenarios when statistical analysis becomes uncertain. Otherwise, I'm just playing yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's like a positional hand raise. Yeah. Hmm. So if you're in late position, uh, you have an advantage over someone in earlier position. That's an amazing concept. Okay, uh, advertising, marketing, and promotional features inclusive of radio, print, and television for ESPN, Fox Sports, NBC, Card Player Magazine, Bluff Magazine, WT, WPT Magazine, Gambling Magazine. I've never heard of that. Pocket Fives. She's listening to Pocket Fives. Come on. Uh, Women's Poker Hour, Strategy with Christie, and Poker News. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That falls under being the good-looking chick that plays poker. Yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. Just what do you mean, advertising, marketing, promotional features? You mean like these? Again, pictures you're, of her with her tits hanging out. Yeah, the, the, you're a, a good-looking chick who plays poker, and these poker media outlets cover you. That's not. I, I'm actually jealous. Like, I would love to be uh, a good-looking chick in an industry like that. Oh, I, I would too. Like great. that. Yeah. That's the only time recently. Like, I, I've never in my life, except in poker, like wished that I was a girl. But but in poker, like many times, like oh, it's too bad I'm not a hot girl. Like there's there's so many times in poker I've thought that. Like I I'll even take the negative things that come with it with with guys having to hit on you and with yeah. with, with people not showing respect to you all the time. I'll take all that with with the good that comes with it. I now I, I wouldn't want to be like just like a like I wouldn't want to be a, a woman my age who's just you know mediocre looking or something. That 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 wouldn't cut it. But if I could be a an above average looking chick, not even like really hot, but above average looking. Right, and in my twenties or early thirties, that I would take that in a second for poker. Yeah, and and it's not to say that there are no girls that are good at poker, because clearly there are. But if you are, you know, just an average poker player and a decent looking girl, you're going to have a, a lot of nice opportunities. Yes, you will. It's a analyzed and broadcasted a weekly progression of World Series of Poker for NBC, which translated to positive ratings and increased viewership. <laughs> I didn't even know about this. Like, what is she talking about? I don't know about, about that either. Uh, accumulated over two million in winnings by playing international tur- tournament circuits, televised championships, cash games, and online series. <laughs> All right, hold on. If it's- you had to guess, if you had to guess, uh, you know that's obviously the like handed mob of what she actually won. Right. That, that, that's the caches exactly. So, what if you had to guess? Like, how much do you think out of that she? Actually, won. I don't even know if she was a winning player. Like she, she may have been a winning player a little bit, or maybe she's a loser a little bit. It's it's impossible to tell. Like I, I stopped well, even and guessing. Not to, and not to pick on her, but any poker player that says they have two million in tournament winnings, I mean, a lot of them may not have won anything. Yeah, it, it adds up quickly. I, it really adds up very quickly because I play the World Series 
and nothing else. And I watch the buy-ins add up quickly. And I don't even enter that many big buy-in events. Yeah, and then the associated fees of you know actually going there and oh yeah, yeah. deals and you know everything. It's just uh, being a tournament poker player is uh, it's not uh, not an easy living if, by if, any stretch. If you're a regular tournament poker player these days, two million in expenses and buy-ins adds up very fast. Very this is fast. over eight years. Yeah, over eight years. It, 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 that's not hard at all to to add up to. You don't even have to be like a a guy who's playing these uh, 200k events all the time. Like you. You can this can easily add up. Two million could be. You could have two million in cashes and be a loser in, in an eight-year period without even playing these super high rollers. So I don't know. I'm not saying she's a losing player. I don't, I don't know if she's a winner or a loser, but uh, I, I think it's funny that she she put all these things down. But here here, here are her certifications. She is a, a graduate of another university besides Berkeley. Mm. Did she even graduate from Berkeley? Let me see. It says uh, education Berkeley. I so I don't know if she even graduated, but I'll give her credit and say she did. But she did graduate for sure from another university, Choice Center Leadership University. <laughs> she she graduated at the Choice Center Leadership University in in March 2014, but also through present and. She's a Choice Center Leadership University certified coach. So she's on, she's on the Choice Center bandwagon. Uh, Negranu uh, and Esfandiari got to her. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what Lauren Kling's doing these days. I, I haven't seen her personally at the World Series in quite some time. So I, I don't know if she's been playing and I just haven't seen her or if she's been gone. But I really haven't heard much from or about her since the whole uh, Matt Marafiati ass-waxing and bleaching accusation against her. Something else I'll say about Lauren Kling is that uh, Brandon and I actually pissed her off a while ago, and this is before Mad Marifiati. I think this is in 2010, 2011 on Dogdown. But uh, we had her on the show, and then we thought she wasn't listening anymore after it was done. And I think it was much more Brandon than me. But I, I think Brandon called her poker pretty or something like that, <laughs> referring to that uh, yeah she's pretty by poker standards, but other than that she's nothing that special. I think something like that he said. I, I I remember I didn't say much. It was more of him, and I'm not trying to throw Brandon under the bus. I just remember that was the way it went down. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's that's the way I remember it went. But whatever it was, she saw us as both being participants in the conversation, and she told. Uh, Mikon's uh, girlfriend, now wife, that she was really pissed at both of us and uh, never wanted to speak to either me or Brandon ever again. So uh, I, I don't think she cares too much for either of us. But oh well, like and like I, I'm telling you, I I don't remember saying very much or anything that was uh, that unflattering about her. I may have said to Brandon, yeah, that's you know that's true that uh, in poker it. Uh, there's you get a lot more credit for being hot in poker if if you're a girl than than you would just in regular life because uh, there's so few girls in poker and so few attractive girls in poker that uh, the the few that are like above average looking and young really get amplified as being like really special. Yeah, which is great. I mean, and for the ones that take advantage of it, good good on them. And, and I'm used to. I'm sure you are used to it also being from the same industry. Like you know, from I'm sure when you. Uh, uh, took uh, computer science classes and stuff like that. You, I'm sure 
there were very few girls there, and the few that were there that were decent looking got tons of attention. You know what? I didn't take any. You didn't take any. Are you self-taught? No. Uh, yeah, all that self-taught. Yeah. Hmm. I did not know that. Yep. Impressive. Okay. Well, I, I can tell you when I took them. Yeah, it was it, the, the girls. Uh, they were few and far between, and and the ones that were like average looking or better, they got a whole lot of attention to the yeah, point. Sure. It was yeah. to the point of annoyance. Like I. I didn't even hit on those girls because they, they were so full of themselves and so arrogant because of the attention. I, I wanted nothing to do with them. And uh, I remember how annoying it was, actually. Like, we'd be in the computer lab, and, and I'd be trying to get my work done, and, and I'd hear just constant banter and BS going on because, like, when one of these girls would be in there, these guys would surround her and, you know, like, you know do their best to hit on her and flirt with her. I'm like, oh, my God, just shut up. And I'm like, trying to do something here. So it was annoying to me, and uh, but I see how it happens. <laughs> There's just such a shortage of, of even okay-looking girls in that field. So the few that are there get a lot of attention. So well, say, like they say, you know, in the land of the blind, the, the one-eyed man is king. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, so I mean, if, if you're a girl and you can, you can get into these things that, that are mostly – Occupied by males, sure you're going to have the males that don't treat you well because they see it as like a you invading their guy space. But there's going to be a whole lot of other males that are uh, very happy to see you there. I mean, the thing is, it's pretty short lived, though, right? And that's kind of the interesting thing about uh, being a girl is that uh, as long as you uh, stay attractive, um, definitely uh, opportunities open up for you. Um, but that expires, right? <laughs> and when women get older. Uh, a lot of them that were used to kind of being treated that way are welcomed into the real world. They're like, I don't get it. How come people aren't nice to me all the time anymore? Yeah, it it, it does change, and it, it does it, it starts to even out where the as far and as with guys, it's like a longer stretch. It, it's a much longer stretch, and but they also have like a lower peak. They don't get uh, like guys don't typically get a bunch of favors done for them uh, because you know because they're attractive. Like even good-looking right. guys don't get that. Right. They they mostly have to. Uh, but it ends in a hurry uh, for women, so I'm all for them taking advantage of it when uh, when they're able. You know? Well, I, I, like, I see why they do it. I see if they if they get the opportunity and it's, it's falling in their lap like that, then. That's that's the natural thing to want to do is to to try to gain from it. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, it, it 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 does change. And and I'm not even someone who like try tried to chase after younger women or anything like the, the the girl I'm with now is is close to my age, a little bit younger, but not much. So and 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 the girlfriend before that, same thing, just right around my age. So I, I typically have dated around my age, but. Uh, I can't say that. My wife's nine years younger than me. Well, that's not that much. <laughs> it's, it's not like she's twenty years younger. You know, nine yeah, years is yeah, some, but you know, at, I, don't, at, I don't make enough money for her to be twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> like at the age you're at, like the age you're at now, like nine years isn't that much. It's, it's younger, but it's not. It's not like when you're uh, you're you're twenty nine. She's twenty. Right. So, I, I don't see nine years as that much. Like if I if I was dating now and I was dating a thirty five year old, it'd be nine years. Like I wouldn't think. On with a much younger woman. I think somewhat younger, but not like much younger. Right. If I was with someone twenty-five, then I would think much younger. Yeah, and you'd have to make a lot more money. Yeah, you know, I I don't think 
I don't think I'd want to seriously date a 25-year-old because I, I don't think I could relate to them well enough. I, I would constantly be afraid that they are with me for money or that they – that they that they're regretting why can't they be with a guy their age and they're, they're maybe not attracted to me because I'm not their I age. Like, I, I, I just I'd constantly have that on my mind. Yep. It's, I'd say like why are they with me? They, even if, even if they I think they do genuinely like me for other reasons, I just think there'd be too many things that would be driving them away, or they could just decide like wake up one day and go what the hell am I doing with this old guy? I'm leaving. So uh, where a woman close to my age, I, I wouldn't fear that. Uh, Caller, you're on the air. I cannot hear anything. I think this is Larry Laffer, but I can't hear him. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. There you go. Okay, cool. Since I'm probably the only one left up listening. No, there's the, you'd be surprised. I mean, we even we even have Calwatt who's there at five thirty in the morning. So. Well, you know, I heard you guys talking about you know older and younger, significant others. So, figured I'd have to call in right now and, uh, yeah. Say hello. So, are, are um, you with? Didn't you say you're with someone older? I am. Yeah. How old is How old is your girlfriend? She, I think she's actually 44. Huh? And, and you were like 31 or something? I'm 30. 30. So, so now, what made you want to do that? Because I, I, I can tell you the truth. When I was 30, I would not have wanted to be with a 44 year old. Now, now today, if I were single, I, I would date a 44 year old. But that's because I am 44 myself. But, uh, but. Back when I was thirty, I would not have done it. So, so what made you want to do this? Oh, well, I don't know. Um, I will say this: her husband is a uh, Chicago police officer. Wait, her husband? What? So yeah, her ex-husband. Her ex-husband. Okay, I think. Well, soon to be ex-husband. Oh, okay, so, so they're separated. They're separated or something? Yeah. Okay. So, and, so all right. Uh, what? Yeah, so so uh, now, have you always done this? Dated older women, or is this like uh, unusual for you? No, really, this is the first girl I've ever dated that's older. I mean, actually, I've hooked up with older girls before, which a young guy hasn't, right? You know, I, I didn't really, I didn't really do that much. I, very occasionally, but not, not not much. That just wasn't my thing. How old did you have? How how old did you go? Uh, a few times, like, I. Twice I, I went like thirteen years older than me, but but it was like a one night sort of thing. Like I, I never dated yeah. anyone seriously who was more than two years older than me. Huh? More than two years older. Yeah. I mean, I guess I asked her girlfriend before this was like, I think she was like two years younger than me. Well, actually, that's not true. I, I once dated someone who's six years older back when I was eighteen, but that's kind of different. But uh, I mean, I, I don't know why. Um, Interested in her? Um, it's not because her her ex is a cop or anything like that. In fact, it's almost a deal breaker. But 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 how do you like? Okay, so so does it? Do you ever get the feeling like like she's too old? You can't relate to her, or or are you worried that if you stay oh, with her we, along? We definitely relate. Okay, she's, we definitely relate. And, and are you wor- are you worried sometimes that like? Uh, in 15 years, that you're going to be 45, she's going to be near 60, and it's going to feel strange? Who says I'm going to be at 15 years? Well, you may not be, but that's that's what that's something that, that w- I thought about when, uh, as far as dating someone much older when I was younger, is that I thought, you know, like, Kenneth James actually had this problem. I don't even know if you know who he is, but uh, he's been kind of out of poker for a while, but 
he was with oh, a cowboy hat. Yeah, Cowboy Kenneth James. He was he was with uh, Marsha Wagoner, who's a, another poker player, and she's like twenty years older than he is. Now she's like seventy or something, but uh, I think he's around fifty. But they got together when he was a young man. He was. Uh, we, we just lost uh, Calwat. You, you knocked Calwat off here. Congratulations. Actually, hey, he's just he's just tired. It's not your fault. But uh, how could that be my fault? I, I just tried to blame something on you. So, yeah, the forum okay. likes to, the forum likes to blame things on you. I I, I decided I'd do it too. So. Uh, everything, I but I, I want to thank Calwatt for being here. But but look, uh, the thing is with Kenneth James, he got with Marsha Wagner when she, you know, she was like in her 40s, he was in his 20s. And at that point, you can say, okay, you know, some women still look good in their 40s. And, you know, so even if you're in your 20s yourself, you can go, I, I'm still attracted to her, no problem. But then, you know, he gets in his 40s himself. She's in her 60s. And and I'll tell you, she looked like she was in her 60s. She, she wasn't like a young 65-year-old. She was a 65-year-old who looked 65. So you saw Kenna with her, and it looked like he was with his mom. And there's a reason, because she was like old enough to be his mom. So uh, I'm sh- And then he started cheating on her, and then that relationship ended. And they, they've been together a long time. But, uh, but I, I'm not defending him for cheating on her, but I have to say that... Uh, it's tough to be that, you know, he, when he started cheating on her and all that, I don't know when he started, but when I was hearing he was doing it, he was around the age I am now, like kind of 44, 43, whatever. And she was like 65. I could not picture right now at my age having sex with a 65 year old. It, it just kind of disgusts me to even think about. It. Now, I'm sure I'll think differently when I am 65 myself. But now for me to think of being with a 65 year old just seems gross to me. Like I, I would, I would rather just like not do it. I think I, like if my choice is to have sex with a 65 year old or never have sex again, I think I say I'm just not going to have sex again. So I, I think that Kenna was probably thinking the same thing. Like, wow, this, I'm like with an old lady now. I'm totally not attracted to her. And, and what do I do? I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm meeting young girls who are willing to have sex with me and are attracted to me. Why am I stuck with this old lady? So that's kind of what he signed up for when he got with someone that much older than him, than him 20 years beforehand, but, but that, that was the result of staying with her for so long. So I've thought about that before, that even if it's okay now, like what if in you know, 10, 20 years, if they get you – know, how old will they be when I'm at such and such age, and will I be okay with that age of being with an old lady? And, and to me, the answer has always been no, whereas now, like I think about – I'll be okay being with an old lady when I'm an old man myself. That 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 will be fine for me. I, I'm sure when I'm in, in, in my mid-60s myself, I'm not going to be grossed out by a woman in her mid-60s. It's kind of hard to picture, but I'm, okay. sure, I'm sure I won't be. But I'm just uh, – uh, so, have you have you thought yeah. of that angle with – now, if you're not going to be with this girlfriend that long, then I wouldn't worry about it. But have you thought of that angle with the 14-year age difference that, uh, that that's yeah, going to no, occur? No, definitely. I have thought of that angle before. Uh-huh. What, what, you might find this fun. Um, would you believe that my girlfriend has a 20 year old daughter? How old daughter? 20, or 22. Yeah, I, I can believe that. She's 44. I mean, uh, it's, it's. And then uh, her daughter has a kid as well. <laughs> she's, she's a grandmother. Is <laughs> that insane? That's. Yeah, well, I, I actually I have a friend. I've never dated her, but I have a friend who's who's a month older than me. And she has a grandson or granddaughter. I'm forgetting if it's a grandchild who's actually older than Benjamin, which is crazy to me. So a girl who's a month older than me has a grandkid older than my son. 
Yeah, I mean, this kid, her kid is like, I think, about a year and a half or something like that. So, you know, her, they're so young, I guess. I don't know. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this. So, doesn't look like she's 40, 44. Doesn't look like it. Oh, okay, man, that's good. I mean, if, if you're happy now, that's fine. I'm just, I'm just saying that that's 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 always one concern I, I had. It wasn't the only concern. I just, I, I, I just wasn't really attracted to older women. Some guys are. Some guys are really, really into that. That was just never my thing. And uh, yeah, uh, but, you know, another reason why I called was, uh, are we going to talk about the crypt situation or what? Cause oh yeah, I'm going to get to crypt. Yeah, basically what I was listening. Okay, well let, let's I, talk about. I want to know. We'll talk I don't about know, it now. Like, what do you know about it? Because you obviously know the guy's name. Did you look? Did you find out? Is he jail somewhere? Well, I, okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right about Crypt. I'm pretty much done with the Marafiati thing. Uh, here, I here's here's the Marafiati thing's dead, bro. Well, we don't know. I wouldn't say that, but it's uh, we, we've gotten as far as we can with it, as far as what we've seen. Uh, Crypt is a twenty. I think 20 or 21 year old Persian guy who posts on poker fraud alert also listens to the radio show. Uh, very strange personality. Some people have even uh, sometimes compared him to that Elliot Roger guy who, that uh, spree killer at uh, UC Santa Barbara. <laughs> and I, 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 I was like the first one I saw on your site. Yeah. I mean, like I wouldn't say that uh, I'm not saying crypt is going to do anything like that, but the reason they accuse him of that is, is crypt he seems kind of like a sheltered guy who, who who doesn't quite have it together socially like most kids his age and uh uh he, he seems like he still has a lot to learn about life but doesn't completely realize it and and definitely has a lot to learn as far as uh, relating to women and uh managing to uh get girls and all that so he started uh, discussing on the forum about how he's going to see prostitutes and, and did, and, or at least he was saying he did. We don't have proof that he did. He could have made the whole thing up, but, but he was telling various stories about seeing prostitutes, which I well, think – he posted he, – he did post the, the audio. Yeah, he, and he did – right. He did – I forgot about the audio. He did post the audio of like uh, – <laughs> of, of some sort of secret <laughs> recording he did with the prostitutes. I believe it was all really happening. But here's the weird part. I believe it. Here, here's the weird part. He 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 uh, recently bumped that thread and said he's going to start doing it again. And I think he saw one and described it, and then he saw another. Let me get. To, I'll actually get to the exact thread and I'll read it to you guys because it's uh, kind of a mystery we have on our hands here. It's a huge mystery. I mean, more more of a mystery than the Kathy. Well, the thing it could it could all be a level to us this part, so that's why I'm still not sure here. But here here's what happened. Uh, he said that on my way to eat to meeting another escort while drinking screwdrivers in my SUV will be my first time with a redhead. She made me send a flaccid dick pic before getting the address. LOL. So I I, I had to ask him, of course. Okay, I'll bite. Why did she want a flaccid dick pic? Afraid it's too big, too small? It wants to see if there's visible sign of STDs? Some sort of weird way to weed out cops? Also, how does she know it was your dick and not when you just Googled? So, um, so anyway, she so he responded, uh, 
She wanted the cockpit with two fingers up to make sure I wasn't quote LE. Now LE stands for law enforcement. Now I I don't yeah. I don't know if that really proves anything. I mean a, a dedicated no, copier could he could send a picture of his own dick if necessary. Like it's, it's not gonna, that's not going to stop. It's not like a cop can't send a picture of his dick back if requested. So anyway, he uh, and I don't know why it has to be flaccid. Why <laughs> can't it be a hard one? Well, actually, I don't, I actually don't know if they can send the picture. Like I, I would, I would question that. I you, really would. What would you question? I would question whether or not, like, if it's a sting operation, whether or not they're gonna send a dick pic. You know. Well, I would think. Well, they I try to like avoid it, like avoid it, like oh, you know, like I'll, I'll, you'll see it when I get there. Like, can I send you something else? Like, I, I, really I don't I, think they would do that. Oh, I think, I think a I cop think might. Uh, I think a cop might very well do it if he's looking to sting you. Like, you know, so he sends a dick pic, big deal. And they, uh, then they arrest her. Then they, uh, you know, seize her phone and delete it from there. Like, I, 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 I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think that Either really way, stops either. it very much. Anyway, going on. So he says. Uh, and keep in mind, he was posting this from a cell phone. I can tell you that because I, I looked at the IP. Oh, he was? So, so he said, mind you, I talked on the phone with her before where she asked my age and race. Uh, so, by the way, the, the thing with the age and race, for reasons I won't bother getting into, some prostitutes only want to see white guys. Well, actually, I will get into them. Sure. They, 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 prostitutes believe that white guys are less likely to beat them or commit other crimes right or wrong this is what a lot of them perceive so for their own safety they they choose to see only white guys or only white and asian guys whatever whatever race they perceive is more likely to be safe with them and i don't mean safe sex i mean safe without like committing acts of violence against them uh so some of them will just refuse to see certain other races that they perceive to be more dangerous and that's just the choice they make so that's that's what he claims that she asked his age and race. Uh, they also t- typically like older guys for that reason as well, figuring for a few reasons. Number one, older guys are less likely to commit violent crime. Uh, number two, older guys are more likely to have more money and more to lose. So, you know, as far as sometimes with families, so they're hoping like to be with a guy who has something to lose. If he were to do something really bad, they're hoping just to have a client who just pays his money, has a sex and leaves and doesn't cause any trouble where they're afraid that like a young degenerate type who knows what he's going to do. So she asked his age and race, and and that uh, I think was it. At two fifty one p.m. on July twenty ninth, the last thing he said was, "We'll be recording for Poker Fraud Alert." She's in a Holiday Inn face palm. So that was the last thing he said at three o seven p.m. And that was it. So he was meeting her at the Holiday Inn, I believe, in the D.C. area. And since July twenty ninth, he hasn't been heard from. So of course, the forum has been. Very curious about this. Of course. So is and I, and I checked. He hasn't logged in again. I haven't analyzed the IPs. I can actually look and see if he lurked from any known IP he has. Like well, I can't that's really. That's actually what I was going to ask. If, if you know if he's lurking. No, I, I haven't looked at that yet. But he definitely has not logged into his account. I've seen that, and I can look if he's lurked, which I probably will do soon. I just forgot to do it. I do have his name. I did Google that to see if anything came up about it being a victim of a murder or something. I didn't see anything like that. I, I do have his name. I'm not going to release it, but I do have it. I can uh, continue to do little searches on that if anyone wants to give me a link to search uh, the D.C. police records. So there's various theories about him. 
maybe he got popped for drunk driving because he talked about drinking screwdrivers in his SUV. Well, that that's that's what I said. I was like, I, I bet you it's a DUI. Like, even if you're sitting in your car doing it, you can get a DUI yeah. if your keys are anywhere near your car. Yeah. So maybe he got popped. Doesn't have to be in the ignition. Maybe he got popped for drunk driving. Maybe he got. Maybe this was a prostitution sting, and he was arrested for that. Uh, maybe he was the victim of uh, of some sort of violence and, and was either hurt or killed. But uh, I, I put those as a as less likely than the other things. I think it's it, it, the most likely two scenarios are either that he got arrested in some way or that he's doing this just to create a false suspense from us. And if it's so, it's working. We're talking about it on this radio show. But yeah. but uh, everyone's very curious if Crypt. Is even still alive, or if he's in jail, or, or what happened, or if he's just well, uh, doing a big troll job on us and is going to reappear and said, "Ha ha!" I, mean, I was never if, really meeting if anyone. It's a troll job. It's very good. Yeah, well, it'd be funny if it is because it's uh, there's a perfect setup there. And some some people even thought like you know the whole thing about the Holiday Inn that almost seems like he's purposely setting it up to look shady and then disappear. But but what's so shady about the Holiday Inn? Uh, it just, it conjures the image, and I'm not, I'm not saying that holiday ends are terrible, I'll even sometimes stay at them, but, uh, it conjures the image of, like, just meeting a prostitute at kind of like a sleazy motel. Yeah. And, and where, where something yeah, bad can I happen. Thought, I thought that's what he was doing. Well, that is what he's doing. I'm saying that, uh, that it, it, it's, it kind of, people are saying, like, maybe he's talking about how he's meeting them at the hol- meeting her at the Holiday Inn, so you picture him meeting her under some kind of sleazy circumstances and then disappearing. It makes it look more ominous. So, we will see. Uh, he has well, taken... I'll tell you this. From personal experience, if you have his name and you know the area he was in, you can easily search to see if he's been booked on something. Well, that's what I'm saying. So if someone could post, like, last I heard he was in D.C., and I could look at his IPs when he's not posting from cell phones and see for sure if he's in the D.C. area. But, yeah, if people can send me some links to check for – I mean, I could find it myself, but it's a pain in the ass. To check for arrests in that area, I can enter his name. Again, I'm not going to post his name, but I can enter his name. Well, well, you don't have to check for arrests. You can actually look – in like the county da- county jail databases, you can do an inmate search, and it'll tell you if he's in in, in inmate. Well, it, it, they it, it, they don't all have that, but if if, if they do have that online, then uh, that we could do that too. But yeah, I, we'll have to see. It's it's weird. So that's that's. I mean, DC is a metro area like Chicago, and in Chicago, you can look and see if anyone's you know, locked up anywhere. Well, the one challenge with so, D.C. is that it's not just uh, D.C. itself, then you have the surrounding areas in Maryland and Virginia. So you start dealing with a wide oh, okay. a, a wide area of, of a, you know, a few different states, and that that can be a little bit of a problem. So, But still, I'll, I'll take a look, and I'll, I'll definitely see if the IP address he had been using to post recently has been lurking. And I'll even check if his cell phone IP has been lurking, because cell phones have been using the same IPs much more than they used to. So you don't always keep the same IP on your cell phone, but uh, they will start duplicating. If not, they'll start to be similar to one another. So I, I can see if I, I can even look for similar IPs lurking to his cell phone, see if I can catch that. And uh, How long has he been a member on the site? 
uh, a while. Let me see. It's not since the beginning. Let's see. It says he's been a member since. Uh... Oh, I guess he, he registered at the beginning. I didn't realize that he registered uh, right when it, right when it opened, March two thousand twelve. I didn't realize that. I guess he. He, he's posted on and off, though. See, that's that's the one thing that would say that he's doing this on purpose because he's not an addict to the site that's here every single day. He goes through these phases where he's either there a lot or just disappears completely for a number of months. And he's told okay. me before that, like, he's one of these people who feels that they need to be banned, like, to as a form of controlling themselves. And I always say I'm not doing it. I refuse to ban people for that reason. I say, if you don't want to log in, just don't. Like, I'm, I'm not going to ban you so you can't log in. So, <laughs> or if you really need to just, just change your password to something you don't know, like bang on the keyboard when you're changing the password and don't watch it. <laughs> but like I, I said, I'm not, I'm just, I, said, I, I said, I'm just not doing it. Though. I'm not banning people because they, they can't help themselves logging in. That's not, I'm not their therapist. I'm not their dad. So they can, they can, they can control themselves. That's a reason I don't ban people. So that's he could have been preparing to leave for a while anyway and decided to do it on a cliffhanger. Well, that's what he did. He left on a very big cliffhanger because, you know, the yeah, forum wanted to know. Yeah, well, it's a good one if it, if it is a rolling. If it's not, then I, I feel bad for him, whatever happened. All right, so, so I next... I he's not sitting somewhere with a kidney. Yeah, missing a kidney missing, it's, like it's possible. Okay, so anyway, uh, Larry, thanks thanks for calling in there. and uh, Yeah, thanks for taking my call, Joe. Okay. We'll uh, talk later. We'll talk later. Bye. Bye. That's Larry, who's taking his lumps on, on the forum. A lot of people bash him, but he, he's just starting to fit in a little bit better. Like, there's... I think some people are starting to warm up to him on the forum. I'm not saying he's liked on the forum yet, but I, th- I think the sentiment towards him has been uh, swinging a little bit in the positive direction. Okay, so I want to play some clips of the new Fighting Chance podcast featuring Kate Hall and Dan O'Brien. Someone asked me what I thought of it. Can I do a review of it? At first I was thinking, no, I don't want to do this. But then I listened and it was it was unique enough to where I felt that it, it would be worth reviewing. Now, the first thing I'm going to tell you about reviewing this podcast is it's a pain in the ass to even play it. And the reason for that is that uh, they don't, unlike this show, I, I give a million options to listen to this show. There's the call to listen line. There is the tune-in app. There's the downloading MP3s directly from my server, which is uh, very useful and easy. There's iTunes. There's the Stitcher app. There's an RSS feed I have. Like, there's so many different ways to listen. You can listen to the live show uh, or even the reruns directly just from the radio page from a player I have there. I, I give you so many ways to listen because I know everybody has their different preferred ways to listen to the show. Uh, they don't give such options. Uh, it, it's basically... Uh, Wait, I guess they're on SoundCloud now, finally. But it, it used to you have to go on iTunes. There, there weren't very many ways to listen. I think it's starting to improve. So let's see. So I'm going to click on... See, now it's not letting me listen through iTunes on a browser without downloading an iTunes as a pain in the ass of doing that. Let me see here. 
Yeah, I can listen to Stitcher without going through any app. And here it is. So these are all episodes that are like between 20 and 30 minutes in length. So it's very short. I mean, I, I think about it. If this show was 20 or 30 minutes in length, I wouldn't even get through the agenda and it would be over. <laughs> so they do this show once a week and, and it's less than 30 minutes in length typically, like 27 minutes, 26 minutes, and that's just not enough time. That's just really, really short. Like You're just starting to get into it and it's over. So that, that's the first problem, but it goes beyond that. L- listen to this, and it's going to be not what you expect, unless you've heard it before, but it's called Fighting Chance with Dan and Kate. It's supposed to be, this is the way they uh, describe it, Fighting Chance tags along with Dan O'Brien and Kate Hall, two professional poker players, as they focus on the rewards and accept the risks that come with competing in the World Series of Poker. So this sounds like it's going to be two professional poker players talking every week about their life as professional poker players, which which can be interesting, even to people like me who are professional poker players, uh, to hear what others go through, to hear the trials and tribulations, the ups and the downs that other poker players are going through, uh, I, I find interesting because sometimes I feel alone with, with my frustrations and uh, my doubts about things sometimes and like i sometimes feel like i'm dealing with this myself and nobody else is, is dealing with it like me and then i find out that so many people feel exactly the way i do whenever i go through tough times in poker so that part can be interesting but you just picture you're going to hear dan and kate talking back and forth and bantering back and forth and hearing how their week went and that's what i picture but that's not what it is this is actually what it is. Are they going to let me in here? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Going to Building C. I haven't listened to this episode before, so this, this is new to both of us. I, I guess this is like a little teaser at the beginning. Wow. A real clock, like one that goes on a wall? Yeah. I haven't seen one of those in years. It's, got, it's supposed to be radio controlled. Hi, I live in Building C. He's just dropping me off. You sure? Yes. You sure it's safe to let her in? I, you know, I'm not really sure. She might be one of the shadier characters you ever living here. Oh, okay. Well, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> Crack security. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> So you might wonder, what is this? Like, you got the little thing at the beginning with them trying to get into Kate's building and the weird security guy. It's kind of mildly interesting, but then what's what's the song at the beginning? This is Fighting Chance, a peek inside the minds of two professional poker players, Dan O'Brien and Kate Hall, as they hold tight to hope and beat back self-doubt during the World Series of Poker. My name is Justin. I'll be your chaperone. A chaperone? A chaperone? What is going on here? I'll, I'll, I'll stop the music here. What? Who's Jason, and why is he our chaperone? What, what happened to Dan and Kate? And why does it sound like some kind of bad NPR show? Well, that's the problem. Right down to that music at the beginning 
it really sounds like you're listening to a wannabe NPR program. And I'm not saying this in a good way. You have a narrator who has recorded various things that have happened with Dan and Kate, or maybe they record themselves, whatever they, you, you get a lot of footage with Dan and Kate talking about things and occasionally with each other. And then this narrator, Jason, and we don't even know who he is. He's not even, I don't believe he's anybody known in poker. He cuts this up and patches it together to be like a 26 minute program where he narrates what's happening. So, Okay, we're going to catch up with Kate here as she plays in the in the Monster Stack event. Or, you know, that's that's what we're getting. And then you get a little clip of Kate talking about the Monster Stack. This is not what I pictured at all. I want to apologize to all of our listeners. Okay, we're a month into the series, and neither Kate nor Dan have won a bracelet or made a final table. Or really got above even at all. Instead, it's been frustration and delusion and failure after failure after tiny success that's preceded and then followed by failure. But why, why do we have to hear this guy tell us? Like this, in fact, it sounds kind of condescending. Failure, followed by failure, followed by... Like, who is this guy? Does he even play poker? I, I know, again, he thinks he's like an NPR host, but... Like this is being presented as some sort of uh, like high-minded sort of intellectual approach to following a professional poker career, almost like a documentary. But it it just comes off as stupid. It just comes off as uh, off-putting. It doesn't come off as real. It comes off as uh, too overproduced, and you, you don't get the feeling like you're hearing just. The raw emotions of each person. You, you do get uh, uncensored, or I, I shouldn't say uncensored because it's clipped, but it's cut. You know, it's cut up. But uh, you, you get candid interviews or candid recordings from the lives of Kate and Dan. But you, you're not just getting them sitting together talking about what had happened in the past week, and that's the way you really get to know someone. Like every week I come on here, this show is is the opposite of, of uh, overproduced. It's underproduced. I mean, I don't produce it. I just uh, I produce the show during the show. I don't ever post produce anything. I just come out here and speak from the heart about everything we're talking about. And you, you, I'm sure you get the feeling after listening to me here, especially if you listen to me for a long time. If you've been following the show for months or even years, you feel like you know me. And there's a good reason for that because I, I get on here and I'm real and I just speak from the heart about whatever the subject is. And I don't have a narrator cutting up little clips and, and making summaries of, of uh, what I'm talking about or what I'm going through. You hear it in my own words. And I there's a reason for that. This is the way I think radio should be, where you get to know the host. So here is today's question. Okay. Why does anyone do this? Seriously, why? Kate and Dan, for example, they seem like smart people, right? Hmm. What the hell are they doing? Stop playing. Stop losing money. Go get a job making donuts or fighting crime. I don't care. 
Just get out before you become a desensitized monster who uses grief and disappointment as sustenance. Mm. Deep. Well, it's interesting you bring that up, Jason. Because uh, apparently Dan was on Chicago Joey's podcast. I think it was Dan. Someone, I think it was Dan. He was on Chicago Joey's podcast. Anyway, it got revealed that this individual Jason, who also puts the whole show together and runs it from a technical standpoint, I guess he's the one who produces everything and narrates everything, and they pay him. They do pay him. How much do you think they pay him? One million dollars. No, but it may get there if they do the show for long enough. They pay this Jason for his 26-minute podcast every week. $600 per show. (laughs) I I wish someone paid me $600 per show. Jeez. $600 per show. (laughs) Unbelievable. So, I don't know how... Dan and Kate hooked up with this guy. But these two, and, and you know, these are not dumb people, Kate Hall and, and uh, Dan O'Brien. I, I don't know either of them very well, but I know enough about them that they're neither of them are stupid. They seem to both be pretty smart people. But I'm guessing that they are not technical at all, that they wouldn't have the first clue how to set up a podcast. They probably, especially do not have the knowledge or time or inclination to post-produce it and to put clips together and get the whole thing ready. They probably just want to sit at the table and play poker. So somehow they hooked up with this guy, and he's like, hey, yeah, this is Jason. Yeah, I'll put together a podcast for you, and it'll be really cool. It'll be like an NPR show, and I'll narrate your life, and, and we'll put together little clips we record of you, and people get to know you. They're like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, I can do all this for for $600 a week. All right, cool, cool. $600 a week, 300 for each of us. All right, Kate, you in? Yeah, I'm in. Okay. Like like if you're losing if, the, if you're losing on the felt, if you're if you just uh are experiencing failure after failure at the poker table and then you you have to hand this clown $600 every week to document your failure, something's wrong. $600 for this thing for a 26-minute show. Now, the guy does some work, like he cobbles together these sound clips and narrates it and plays his little faux NPR music at the beginning and end and gets these up on Stitcher and iTunes and all that, but you got to be kidding me, $600. I can tell you it's not $600 worth of work. I'll do it for $600. I'll narrate their stupid show for $600. I'm not even kidding, I would. My point is, it couldn't have always been this way. I decided to start playing professionally starting about a year ago, or I made the decision a year and a half ago. This is Kate, obviously. Flip the switch during the series last year. I sort of didn't have any expectations or illusions of greatness. Um, I thought of poker as a way to 
pay the bills for a couple of years while I figured out what I wanted to do after law, which I decided was something I didn't want to do anymore. I think that a lot of people I know viewed my decision to leave my job and play poker professionally as a sort of midlife crisis. Um, you know, to say that it was a midlife crisis really isn't even that inaccurate <laughs> because when you realize that you've spent 10 years working on something that doesn't make you happy and you're set up to continue on that path for the rest of your life, you have kind of a crisis about that. And I think that that's appropriate. And mine just happened to come at a time when I felt like I was still young enough to do something about uh, it. You know, I better stop this because the show is only 26 minutes. If I play much more, I'll, I'll play the entire show on my show. And I think I'm going to owe that Jason guy 600 bucks. So I, I better be careful. But anyway, that, that's Kate Hall. She, she has a nice voice. So I'll give her that. Uh, something I noticed though, you know, she's like 31 or something. And I think Dan O'Brien's around the same age. She sounds young for her age. And when you hear Dan talk, I don't know if we're going to get to it, but if you hear Dan talk, he sounds young too. And this Jason guy sounds even younger than them. The whole thing sounds very young. And I don't say that as a compliment. You kind of get the impression, even though that's not even the truth, that you're hearing a bunch of naive kids talking about their life and it that makes it actually less interesting it's it's much more interesting to me and maybe it's just me showing my age at 44 but to me it's more interesting to hear from another adult who's attempting to live the professional poker lifestyle like i am if it's a kid who just uh isn't risking much and is very young and has a lot more options ahead of them and a lot more time ahead of them if it fails, that's much less interesting. And yet, you know, they're both in their early 30s and, and you're getting the impression from each of them like they're just starting their lives. I don't even know why she's saying a midlife crisis because the, the way it sounds like they've, they really have not established anything in their lives even by their early 30s. So they're just kind of going to try poker instead. In fact, Dan talked about going to EDC, the Electric Daisy Carnival, during the World Series and taking a week off in the World Series. And like, you know, that's a very, very young crowd over there. You just—it just sounds like it's all very youthful, and I find it hard to relate to. And I don't think the audience that this is aimed at is is a youthful audience. I think they're they're aiming this at. Uh, a more general adult audience, maybe some young, but a lot older who just are curious about the professional poker lifestyle. And I, just to me, when I'm listening to this, I, I just kind of think of like, oh, I'm hearing from a clueless kid. I'm hearing from a kid who is, you know, maybe intellectually smart, but not street smart. I'm hearing from someone who has a lot to learn about life. And when you're in your early 30s, yeah, yeah you have still stuff to learn, but you you should have most things figured out by then. I've always said people who get to their early 30s and haven't gotten it together yet and, and still act like they're kids, uh, they're never going to grow up. There's a few exceptions to that, but for the most part, you get to your early 30s, and if you you haven't matured, then you may never mature. So I think that's... One off-putting thing about the show, another, of course, is the stupid 
faux NPR format. I, I think I'd like this thing a lot better if we just had Kate and Dan just shooting the shit for half an hour, preferably longer, about the way their week was. Talk about a few poker hands, talk about the stress of the lifestyle. That's interesting stuff to me. But I don't know. I, just, I, I don't like this format at all. And everybody I've talked to about it agrees with me. And to get off of the treadmill that I was on. The treadmill. While Kate's only in her second year of playing professionally, Dan's been at it for almost a decade now. I like this mute. Dun, in dun, episode dun, one, he talked dun, about dun, his dun. second semester of college, dun, dun, dun. when poker was the thing he fell in love with, or got addicted to. Dun, dun, dun. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> tomato, tomato. I'd Come on. in my friend's room sometimes. We, I'd get into his room and start like maybe around like one or two in the morning. Started playing until around noon. Then I'd go to sleep and wake up at around six p.m. Uh, when I got tapped in the foot to go to dinner with my floor mates, and I didn't really go to class uh, at all, and I think I missed either twenty nine or thirty one straight classes. Um, and as you would imagine, my grades suffered. Uh, I kind of got depressed. I think um, that was the first time. I ever felt like that. I started smoking a fair amount of weed, and I'm not sure if it just happened and that sort of led to the depression, or maybe uh, it was the other way around where I started smoking because I felt a little bit depressed, but I just wasn't doing anything I was supposed to be doing. I lived across the hall from Dan that year, and the phase he's describing I remember very well. Oh, okay. A lot of poker. A lot of Lord of the Rings. Oh, all right. All right. So we're learning where, where Jason came in. He was a, a friend from college. So they, I, I'm guessing that uh, Jason probably talked Dan into doing this. Do a podcast. Pay me $600. <laughs> Poker players are really, really bad with money. They, they have no value for money. I'm sure the two of them, Dan and Kate, each probably contributing 300 a week to this guy. They think, hey, what's $300? That's nothing compared to the limits we play for. So why not? We get a cool podcast out of it. Why not? Well, because you're, you're tremendously overpaying. That's not the going rate for this sort of thing. And, and the whole format's stupid in the first place. So the funny thing is they actually had a good idea to have two poker players discussing their life as poker players and we can follow along and and yet we get this weird format and the guy who's getting paid all this money to narrate the show it the episodes i've listened to all seem to follow kind of a depressing theme of failure failure uh self doubt failure losing Hope followed by failure. It, it almost sounds like this Jason guy is is taking glee, to, is is, uh, is gleeful, is excited to be talking about how many times Dan and Kate keep failing at what they're doing, and it's annoying. Like I'll tell you, one thing I enjoy about the Bovada Anonymous tables is that when I slump on there, no one sees it. 
nobody who doesn't like me, or even people who are neutral on me, but just uh, enjoy watching others lose to make themselves feel better, that nobody is taking any enjoyment in my losses other than my opponents at the table who don't know who I am. So I know I'm losing, and I'm frustrated I'm losing, but it ends there. I don't have to worry about anyone else taking pleasure in my losing. Now, of course, people don't watch me win, and I, I don't get any admiration for the winning, but that's fine. I'd, ra- I'd rather lose that and also not have the humiliation of losing uh, and, and not have those who are so sadistic that they enjoy watching people they know lose, that they, this takes away this pleasure from them. And you can say, oh, why do you care what people think? Well, it, it just bothers me to have people like sitting there enjoying watching me lose, rooting against me getting a good laugh if I have a terrible session. Like, I, I just don't enjoy the thought of anyone being there and getting that pleasure out of my losses. So, even with me winning overall, even with me winning a lot overall, I still don't like that. So, that's one good thing about the anonymous tables on Bovada. A lot of getting high. It wasn't just him. There were plenty of us. But Dan's academics took the biggest nosedive, and he got a 1.6 GPA that semester. This guy seems like he just... probably the first time I saw him look not invincible. See, this guy just seems to... He seems to take pleasure in, in his friend failing. It's like, it's like a jealousy thing. Yeah, Dan had a terrible World Series. He'd have a small up, then a big down, then another big down. One failure after another. Fail, 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 fail. And back in college, he got a 1.6 GPA. He, he took it the worst of all of us. And I, I smiled the whole time. I enjoyed it. I pretended to be his friend, but I, I enjoy watching Dan fail. I, I enjoy Dan suffering. I enjoy watching Dan be depressed. It makes me feel better about my own existence. Dan, you owe me $600 for saying that. But he righted the ship, focused on school, and still found time to average $15,000 a semester in online poker earnings moving forward. I don't know how much I made during college. Definitely not as much as I should have. Uh, probably around 100000 Uh I didn't realize you know, that that was the golden age of poker and I should have taken advantage of every moment I could playing against those people. When I graduated from the University of Maryland in 2006, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I did want to just keep playing poker. I He's even talking about 10 years ago when he graduated, which, which again, puts him in early 30s now. But but <laughs> even talking about 10 years ago, some, somehow we get, again, back to the whole youthful element of the show. All right. Anyway, you get the point. I'm not going to play anymore. In the grand scheme of things, this is not an important show even. This fighting chance thing. Just someone wanted me to review it, and I, I listened to it. And it just... It just struck me because it was so different than what I expected. And then when I heard the $600 thing, it just threw me for a loop. There you go. Uh, I'll give it credit in some ways. This is not a scathing review. I will say that the segments where we learn about them can be interesting. The uh, the whole concept of following professional poker players through their ups and downs is interesting. And hearing about their lifestyle is interesting. I just wish it was a different format. I wish it was longer, and I wish this narrator would go away. 
All right, so let's let's get to some uh, poker fraud since this is poker fraud alert. And there's a claim on two plus two by a new poster there who probably made an account just to uh, post this. But uh, he claims that he is a botter. And he basically came forth to confess. It's called Confessions of a Botter. He made an account named The Mad Botter. He made a post on July 17th. And this is what he said. I decided to retire from botting and focus my energy on something more meaningful. Now, by botting, he means he was... he operated bots, automated programs to play poker, which is cheating. It's against the rules. It's it's letting your machine play against human opponents, which obviously is very unethical for many reasons. Humans should be playing humans unless the human knows that they're playing a machine and is okay with it. Otherwise, it's not fair. A machine does not have fatigue. A machine does not tilt. A machine also uh, has perfect memory, whereas you don't. So it's not fair to play a machine if you don't know you're playing a machine. Anyway, this is a guy who used bots and is now admitting to it, not saying who he is, but uh, he's describing his method. So he says, I've carefully timed this post after steadily withdrawing all of my funds from ACR. That's America's card room. I hope to shed some light on the current economy of botting and to help people understand the relationship between botting and poker sites. Over the past six months, my bot has played over 500,000 hands on ACR, mostly at 50 to 100 no limit. That doesn't mean $5,100 limit. That'd be a crazy no limit game, but a very big game. He means uh, the buy-in is either $50 or $100. So these are low limit games. With various promos and bonuses factored in, it has generated around $30,000 of profit. I can't give much more details on results because despite the fact that I don't have my money tied up on the network... Winning Poker Network, which is the network for <clears throat> America's Card Room, has all my personal information. I'd prefer to remain anonymous. Currently, there are quite a few solution, viable solutions for prospective botters to help connect to a bot engine to the Poker Room. Now, I don't know if 2 plus 2 censored this or if he censored this himself, but star, 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 and star, 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 star accomplish the task well, but they may have, they may have some technical limitations. Star 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 is an open source project that is better for custom building a bot than is for a specific system and poker room. Plug and play systems generally require minimal technical expertise, whereas Star 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 and similar frameworks will require intermediate programming experience. In general, bots in 2016 come equipped or can be equipped with stealth technology that will remove any overt indications of software running during a session. They will generally show up as some nondescript process running in the background on Task Manager. Now, for those of you who are not technical, let me explain what he's saying. He's saying that some bots are very easy to get and start up, but you can't customize them very much. Other ones you can customize a lot, and are much better to use, but you have to have some uh, programming experience. He also said that uh, bots these days can generally be made to look like they're not bots. 
that mistakes bots made in the past that got them caught, such as uh, their timing always being identical on every street and their betting patterns always being the same and things like that, uh, that you can change the parameters now to where that doesn't happen, where the bots are act more randomly like a human would, and that the process on your computer that runs the bot now hides as a process that would be something that uh, would look more typical to be running anyway. So there's therefore, because some software will check for bots by looking at the processes running on your computer, and then if it catches a bot software, will uh, report it to security and you'll get banned. He's saying that this can hide in the background under a, a process that looks like it's something that's uh, harmless and isn't a bot. He says, finding or building a bot is the easy part. The more time-consuming endeavor is getting the bot to play well. Plug-and-play bots, he's referring to the ones that are easy to start, generally come preloaded with profiles that at best are capable of playing slightly winning poker at the lowest limits or free rolls. There are forums and marketplaces where a botter can buy better profiles, but they can't play very profitably above uh, $10 buy and no limit on most sites. The best solution is to run is to write your own profile. This used to be the barrier to botting a couple of years ago, but with the proliferation of PPL or OPPL, it now takes only a couple of hours to learn the syntax of coding your own bot profile. Making it play exceptionally well is still extremely time-consuming and requires a lot of trial runs and hand history reviews. For me, it took about a week to write a profile that played well enough to be 10 $10 buy-in no limit, and about a month of reworking that profile to be 50 buy-in no limit at a solid clip. Over the course of the next few months, I steadily improved the bot's performance based on manual review of hand histories and results. Now, let me stop right here. This sounds very realistic. He's giving a lot of details, and he is not exaggerating. Somebody who'd be making up the story would not be bragging about uh, how he just was able to scratch out the bot to beat uh, $50 buy and no limit. He, he'd be bragging about beating the bigger games, even if he's not going to make an outlandish claim like, oh, my bot won $3 million. Uh, he would write something like, uh, I got my bot to beat the mid-limit or high-limit games on the site. It's winning 250 k a year. That's what he would write if he was a liar. He'd write something that's, that's believable, but uh, something very impressive, something that you're going to be jealous of when you read. This, he's admitting that, that it was very tough even to get it to beat a $50 buy-in no-limit game. And that... Uh, by the end, he won about thirty k. Well, yeah, thirty k is, is a nice haul, but it's, it's you're not going to retire on that. It's not uh, even if you if that's all you made the whole year, you're not going to be living very well. So, I believe this story for those reasons. A lot of specifics and the claims of success are not very grandiose at all. He said, if you construct a good bot, it is impossible for other players to suspect the bot. For example, in addition to the stealth mode, my bot would randomly sit out and take breaks every couple hours, never played for more than six hours at a time, frequently switched tables, and joined waiting lists with the aid of a hopper software, misclicked every so often, so he actually has the bot make mistakes as if it's misclicking, typed short comments in the chat box on rare occasions, and had randomness built into the playing profile. It wouldn't always play the same hand the same way, wouldn't always play missed flop the same way, wouldn't always value bet the same amount, etc., and would use the half 
the half pot, two thirds pot, instead of typing in weird bed amounts. That was another way bots were getting caught. Is uh, they would be too precise with the amounts they were betting, and you'd see something betting like uh, you know one hundred twelve dollars and five cents, and you go, "What the hell is this?" And if it's always betting this way, you think, "You know what? What's going on here? Is this like a calculation going on?" And then it makes you think it's a bot. He's saying they just would just use the half bot, two thirds bot thing, and and and. Uh, bet what most players would bet there instead of making these precise calculations would make it look much, much less bot-like. Around month three is when the bot really took off. I worked tirelessly to enter to integrate a poker tracker database with a bot profile. Depending on VPIP, that's voluntarily uh, the, the voluntarily money put in the pot. Aggression, continuation bet percentage, fold to continuation bet, etc., and overall results of a particular opponent, the bot has close to 15 different branches of play. Branches meaning different decisions it can make based on all these different factors. It would play a nit much differently than would play a lag. That's a loose, aggressive player. A fish differently than a rock. It would exploit players based on tendencies. For example, those that fold to 3-bet too often, those who 3-bet light out of position... Those who fold into positional continuation bets unless they had top pair or better, etc. So he's saying here that the bots would would learn that they would, based on profiles of each player, it would act differently. That he'd have he'd write in there, uh, you know, to, to take different actions based upon the different way these different players have been observed to play rather than doing a one-size-fits-all method for everybody. $50 buy-in no-limit was the bread and butter, and $100 no-limit was profitable to a smaller degree. I never attempted $200 no-limit because the reg, the reg pool is referring to the pool of regulars, how many different regular players, thins out a bit, and the overall better caliber of players made me hesitant to throw a bot in there. One, because it would take constant reconfiguration to adjust to the regulars adjusting to the bot, and two because the small pool of better regulars might discover the bot's existence much faster. I was happy sticking to the lower levels, because for me it was more about the technical challenge of the project, not necessarily the money. So he's saying he didn't want to try $200 buy-in, no limit, or higher, because he's afraid he'd be facing better players, plus these players might be better at figuring out that he had a bot there. He figured he'd stick lower and uh, be safer. I would suspect that probably 10 to 15% of the players on America's Card Room, $50 buy-in, no limit, and below are bots. Most probably run shitty bot profiles. Some are probably part of a larger bot ring. These are mostly organized by Eastern and Northern Europeans that share hand information during the course of play, colluding bots. The single operator bots, mostly U.S. operations, that are, that are good will be good enough in, bot, in both play and acting human-like to avoid suspicions. In general, winning Poker Network and Bovada don't mind bots. As long as the bot isn't the target of multiple complaints from a whole bunch of players, both sides are pretty bot friendly. But both sites are pretty bot friendly. Bots play play well, or sorry, bots uh, pay good, steady rake. Seldom complain about anything on the site. Now I can verify. I don't know about Bovada these days, but about uh, six years ago, this is definitely true. I was playing on Bodog, which is the predecessor to Bovada. And I caught a bot at Limit Hold'em. And I turned the tables on the bot. And the way I did that was that Bodog had a bug in the software 
where if a third player was sitting at the table, what you could do would be uh, never allow that third player in, and you could keep giving yourself the button over and over through a sit-out trick. This doesn't work anymore, by the way, but uh, back then it did, where by when a third player joins in a certain position, if you're playing heads up, if you sit out and sit in really quickly when the hand was over, then you would just keep the button every time. So a third guy tried to join, and it was me against this bot heads up, who I strongly suspected was a bot. So I decided to put it to the test, and I did this trick, and I played the button 80 consecutive times, which if you know anything about poker, no competent player would ever take the big blind against your button 80 consecutive times. That's a huge disadvantage. They're never going to win that way. They'd have to run insanely well to play 80 consecutive hands on the big line when you have the button. So this was a, a very good winning player that I suspected as a bot, meaning that it wasn't some fish or some new player. This is one that had been around forever, understood the game very well, so there's no way he didn't understand that he was taking the big blind 80 consecutive times. The way it finally ended, and I don't know why the third guy tolerated this and just sat there and let it happen because uh, he could have left it any time when he wasn't getting the... He wasn't getting into the game, but for whatever reason, he, whatever reason, he just sat there. But anyway, eventually the operator of the bot sat it out and then started typing profanity to me. So the guy went and complained to Bodog Customer Service, who then, I think they either called me or told me to call them. Anyway, I spoke to one of the managers in Canada and this guy told me that I'm not allowed to ever do this again, and if I do, they're going to kick me off the site. So I said to him, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I was doing something here to prove that the guy was a bot. No competent player would do this, would, would take the big blind every time. He says, well, you don't know that. Maybe the guy uh, still thought he had an edge over you and he still was willing to do it. Maybe he was drunk. Maybe he... He was just confused. I go, look, this this guy seemingly never makes any mistakes, or if he makes mistakes, they're very minor. So, so now he's going to take the, the big blind 80 consecutive times? It doesn't make any sense against another regular on the site. So I said, look, everybody suspected this guy was a bot. I'm sure you've gotten multiple complaints about him, and that's what made me try this, and then it worked. So I think this should be pretty much a smoking gun proof to you that this guy is a bot. You should kick him off. So basically I was told, no. Uh, we've determined he's not a bot and you're to stop doing this. So I agreed. I stopped doing it. But I was frustrated that, that I was actually the one getting the slap on the wrist when it was actually... A, I proved it was a bot by doing this. Now, was I enjoying getting the button on the bot 80 times? Yeah. Why? Because the bot deserved it. Anyone who's trying to cheat me by playing a bot against me if I can turn the tables and get an, an edge on the bot, then tough luck. I, I will never feel guilty about cheating a cheater. If someone's trying to cheat me and I can cheat them back, I'll do it. I'm not above that. However, I would never do this to another player, even someone who didn't realize it. Like, a, like I would not do this uh, to anyone. Any human being who's playing me 
by the rules, whether they're good or bad, I would never take the button 80 consecutive times on them because it's cheating. It's not fair. Even if they were to let me do it, it's not fair. I wouldn't do it. But someone who's running a bot that's masquerading as a human, in order to cheat me, I'll, I'll gladly take the button 80 times and screw him back. So it really irritated me because I was doing that both to screw the bot back and to prove it was a bot. I proved it, and then Bodog wasn't interested. So I don't know if that guy's even still there. You can't tell because it's anonymous tables. So anyway, this guy's claiming that Winning Poker Network and Bovada just don't mind bots. So this thread went on for a while, and eventually it took a little bit of a turn when the Mad Botter said that he was actually just trolling. This is all a joke and actually wanted the thread to be deleted on 2 plus 2. And people start to suspect, hmm, I don't think this is trolling. I think that this guy is worried that he gave away too much and people are going to figure out who he is. But uh, then the CEO of the Winning Poker Network chimed in on this because, remember, he was mentioned, uh, not he specifically, but his network was mentioned, that they don't care about bots. So Winning Poker Network CEO Phil Nagy said the following on, on a Twitch broadcast. He, he likes to just come out on, on these uh, Twitch broadcasts and just shoot his mouth off, this CEO of the Winning Poker Network. But he said that he's come up with the biggest single deterrent for anybody who wants to even think about doing bots. He said, I will make mistakes... I will ban real money people and I will ban real people because they seem like bots and I will be merciless about it. To do this right, you've got to draw the line in the sand. If you end up being a casualty of war, collateral damage, I apologize, but this is what the people want. Mm. I don't think that's what the people want. So he's saying that they're going to be so vigilant about bots that even if someone looks like a bot and really isn't, they're getting banned anyway. That the Erring is going to be on the side of super caution regarding bots in the system. If he thinks you're even slightly resembling a bot, you're gone, and you're going to get banned. And if you're a regular player who's done nothing wrong, too bad, you're collateral damage. That is a pretty obnoxious scorch-earth approach that he claims to be taking. And that's not the right approach. The right approach is to develop methods to detect these bots... Then do a, an intelligent investigation, and if you really believe that that person is most likely a bot, then ban them. Now, maybe, yes, you'll end up banning a few people who aren't, but that's a lot better than just saying, hey, if I think you even could be a bot, you're gone. His words were, I will make mistakes, I will ban real people because they seem like bots, and I'll be merciless about it. And he's claiming this is what the people want. But people don't want that. People don't want to see their accounts closed because they're wrongfully suspected of being bots. People don't want that. So, the mad botter who, at one point, as I said, was claiming it was just all trolling, he took back that claim when the Winning Poker Network CEO came out and said that. 
So he claimed he was leaving 2 plus 2, but he came right back and said, uh, America's Cardroom CEO was on Twitch earlier and promised that at the end of the month, the site will become very bot-unfriendly, that botters will no longer be able to operate with complete impunity. Challenge accepted. I'll put it this way. My sadistic personality, I'm going to make it very clear. This is what uh, the CEO said. He said, I'll put it this way. My sadistic personality, I'm going to make it very clear that other networks are going to be much more bot-friendly than ours. Give me 30 days. This could all be posturing to scare away the botters. Maybe he's worried that this guy has gotten all the botters, uh, or would-be botters, excited to come over to America's card room. I don't know. But it's the battle of the the bots versus the the poker site operators. But I I think I believe this guy. Why he came out and confessed this, I don't know. But it kind of sounded like that uh, he just wanted to brag kind of about his accomplishments, and he kind of felt like he was done doing it. But now he's feeling like he's being challenged again by the, the winning Poker Network CEO. He could also be, just be posturing back that the winning Poker Network CEO is going, oh, yeah, you're going to brag about botting? Well, we're going to get you. We're going to ban everyone who even looks like bots. So don't even try it, buddy. And he's like, all right, a challenge? Okay, I'll do it. So yeah, I believe there's bots on these sites. If you see something that acts like a bot, or even acts somewhat like a bot, and I remember that one bot that I suspected that I played the 80 times of the button against, it did chat occasionally. Not that much, but you would get these weird kind of three-word statements every so often from it that just didn't seem to make a lot of sense. And we always thought that was just stuff programmed in there to say. So... Watch out for the bots. Let's see what else we got on the agenda. I'll admit I'm getting tired here. I don't know if you can notice, but I, I'm i starting to run out of energy myself. I'm putting myself to sleep. I don't know. Caesars has sold its Playtika social gaming platform to a Chinese group. And they, they sold it for a lot of money. They, they really did. Uh, this was part of Caesars Interactive Entertainment, which was one of the little spin-offs of Caesars for the bankruptcy purposes. So Caesars Interactive Entertainment, which also owns the World Series and WSOP.com, a part of that was also this Playtika social gaming platform, which is is mostly it's free money games you can play. And that, uh, in fact, they were trying to advertise when they did that ill-advised crap about having to enter your Facebook or Google Plus info to read World Series updates, something they rolled back eventually. But they've they've been pushing people towards these social gaming sites that they own for a while at Caesars. But they have recently sold the Platika social gaming platform to a group of Chinese companies for a lot of money. $100 billion. Gentlemen. Yeah. Not $100 billion, but they sold it for $4.7 billion. 
4.7, no, 4.4 billion. I'm sorry. I overstated it by uh, 0.3 billion. That's all. Overstated it by 300 million. (laughs) But this is what it says. A consortium including an affiliate of Shanghai Giant Network Technology Company. That sounds like a Chinese company. Oh, Shanghai Giant Network Technology Company. (laughs) Giant Network Technology Company. Just, Just that whole wording sounds so Asian. Shanghai Giant Network Technology Company. One of China's largest online gaming companies. Well, I guess they live up to the giant thing. Can you imagine a, a company in the U.S. calling themselves giant because they're big? They like putting that in their name. Giant Network Technology Company. Uh, one of China's largest online gaming companies announced today it has entered into a definitive agreement with Caesars Interactive Entertainment to acquire their social and mobile games business Playtica in an all-cash deal for $4.4 billion. The consortium includes Giant Investment Limited, Yunfeng Capital, a private equity firm founded by the Alibaba Group Holding Limited founder Jack Ma, China Oceanwide Holdings Group Company Limited, China Minsheng Trust Company, CDH China HF Holdings Company Limited, and Honey Capital Fund. So these are a bunch of Chinese companies that have bought Playtica. Following the transaction, Playtica will continue to run independently with its headquarters remaining in Herzliya, Israel, and its existing management team continuing to run day-to-day operations. So Playtica was a a separate company that Caesars bought that uh, was operating out of Israel, and now it's been sold to this Chinese consortium. So, what's interesting here is that uh, they are starting to sell assets from Caesars. I mean, most of you probably don't care about the social gaming platform. I know I, I get, I would get spam about this crap all the time. Oh, you know, buy, uh, you know, you get such and such free tokens on on our free gaming. Blah blah. It was so stupid. I got that all the time. You guys have probably gotten it too. I would just delete it without even reading it. But it's interesting that they're selling assets already, but that they're careful not to sell the World Series. Because Caesars Interactive Entertainment, they could have just sold that entire subsidiary, and that would have also sold the World Series and WSB.com, but they didn't. They instead just sold the Platika portion, which I think was smart. I think that was a, a loser. I, I just don't think there's going to be enough interest in it. I think there's too many. I think the market's already saturated for free online gambling sites. I think it was saturated a long time ago. But they get uh, an infusion of $4.4 billion in cash, which will ease pressure connected to the ongoing back bankruptcy proceedings. Now, the proceedings aren't for Caesars Interactive Entertainment. It's for Caesars Entertainment Operating Company, one of the other stupid subsidiaries there. But these are all really the same thing. They were just split up for purposes of bankruptcy. So believe me, they can use that $4.4 billion. And the World Series, it, what's interesting, it's not 
a large percentage of revenue for Caesars, but it is very profitable. So it's it's a very reliable profit source that they don't want to give up. Even if it's not making or breaking the company, it's it's something that is doing very well and is very reliable. So they've decided if they're going to sell something and get cash, they're going to sell something that's of, of questionable future, something that isn't really producing that much in Platika. And they're keeping the thing that's been a consistent cash cow, which is the World Series. I don't even think WSOP.com itself makes money. I know in the poker they're losing money. I know that for sure. They may be making money on it if they include the casino that they have for New Jersey residents above the poker. But I know in the poker part they're losing money. It's just generating very little. It's, it's pretty much a fail site. So that's interesting. We'll see what else Caesar sells in the coming weeks, months, and years. Jay Stat just said in chat it would be great if Caesars changed owners. Well, not completely. I, what's bad about Caesars is sometimes good about Caesars. Sometimes the fact that they don't know what the hell's going on can be beneficial for the player in certain ways. Let's see what else we got here. Maryland Live Casino accuses, they're they're accusing a casino of stealing their customer data. But the really interesting thing is the casino that they are accusing of stealing their customer data does not yet exist. This is kind of a weird story. Maryland Live is uh, really the only option if you live in the Maryland area. They're kind of in the Baltimore area, Maryland Live. And another casino is going to be competing with them very soon called MGM National Harbor. That is not open yet. It's not even all that close to being open, but they're they're getting ready. And they they're gonna definitely I think they're about forty miles away from Maryland Live, which which isn't right next door by any means, but it's it's not a different market. So same market, and they're both going to be competing for a heavy chunk of people in the Baltimore, Virginia, D.C. areas. So what Maryland Live is unhappy about and what they're accusing MGM National Harbor for doing, of doing, is purposely hiring former hosts that used to work at Maryland Live who are bringing with them a lot of information on some of the top players at Maryland Live. When I mean top players, I mean uh, highest rollers, ones that they can count on to bet big and probably lose big. Uh, These are former hosts and some of these hosts, they're just afraid are going to bring over just their personal list of high-value customers they used to speak with that they probably have in their cell phones or whatever. And and they're also worried that uh, information has been stolen by some former hosts and downloaded in, into their computers that they're going to bring over to their new job at MGM National Harbor. 
Especially because... Actually, I didn't mean to do that. I did not mean to do that, sorry. I should have just gone with it, though. It kind of fits. (laughs) Bang the wrong button there. But... Maryland Live alleges that uh, when certain hosts were fired for not uh, signing a non-compete and confidentiality agreement that they tried to get all the hosts to to sign and some of them were not agreeing to sign it and were going to be fired for that reason, that two of the hosts who knew knew they were going to be canned were caught downloading hundreds of files from Maryland Live computers, presumably containing player data. So they're afraid these hosts who now work for MGM have brought this information over there. Now, if true, this is a pretty bad violation because player records are very, very valuable to casinos. Very, very valuable. It is extremely valuable for a casino to have a list of high rollers that they can already market to and get down there. Otherwise, they have to learn from experience. They have to learn from experience, uh, you know, who's betting big, try to figure out how good they are, try to figure out if this is just a one-time thing or if they're going to come back over and over, uh, try to figure out if they're advantage players in some way. But when another casino has already done all the work and has files on someone who's a high roller and a consistent loser, it's very useful to have that guy's name and phone number and email address. So you can try to entice him to come to your casino with a little bit better free play or other offers. And now you have that whale in your hands. So Maryland Live is very concerned that these former hosts are now going to steal their customers. And I understand the concern. Now, MGM has responded. They said, although it is our normal practice not to comment on pending litigation, this lawsuit amounts to nothing more than a thinly disguised attempt to stifle the competition. Maryland Live expects from MGM Harbor Resorts and to try to tarnish the MGM's reputation in the marketplace. They're trying to say, you're already trying to make us look bad before we even open, so no one comes over. So F you. We we didn't do anything wrong. You're just trying to tarnish our name before we even get started. In addition, Maryland Live is resorting to threatening its current and former employees with unenforceable non-compete provisions in, in hopes of preventing people from working in other states, regardless of whether the new employment would compete with Maryland Live. The allegations in Maryland Live's lawsuit against MGM National Harbor are baseless, and MGM will vigorously defend against Maryland Live's lawsuit. Now, the non-compete agreements that they're talking about prevent former employees from working for uh, MGM National Harbor or any other casino within 75 miles for at least one year after they stop working for Maryland Live, which I think is reasonable. Uh, they, you know, they make this comment about other states, but that's very misleading. It's not like California, where any big city in California is pretty far from another state. In that area, there, there's a number of states very close in proximity to one another in the metropolitan areas there. Virginia, Maryland, D.C., which technically isn't a state, but it's a a territory. They're all in that small area. They're all in the same market. So basically the non-compete clause is saying if you work here, then you can't work in another casino in the same market for a year. And I don't think that's that bad. 
I'm not saying hosts should necessarily have to sign that. Like in Vegas, hosts jump from casino to casino all the time. But I can understand over there that with this concern, with there only being one other major player there, that they don't want uh, a mass exodus where their very valuable customer data is stolen and, and taken over there. And if it is, they at least want a year in between. Now, MGM National Harbor will probably open around December of this year. It's about uh, 10 miles south of uh, Washington, D.C., but it is in Maryland, MGM National Harbor. And as I said, it's it's about 40 miles from, uh, from Maryland Live. This lawsuit also is going after three employees who were uh, executive hosts at one point in Maryland Live. And MGM says, wait a minute. They don't even work for us, these hosts. They actually are working for a subsidiary called Destron, which is more than 75 miles away. So Maryland Live says, ah, uh-uh, you got to be kidding me. Destron is just a front that that's really you guys and just because they they technically work in an office 75 miles away doesn't mean they're not working for you and you guys are are much less than 75 miles away they're basically working for you and you're you're less than 40 miles away and i agree with them there too it it doesn't matter if if you establish some kind of phony subsidiary for them to be working for that technically has an office out of that 75-mile zone, if, if they're working for the casino that is in that zone, then that's who they're really working for, even if it's not their direct employer. So I'm on Maryland Live's side on this one. I think they're being screwed. I think, some, uh, I think they're luring away certain former hosts who are bringing along a lot of valuable company private data on the player pool. That shouldn't be allowed. Beer and Poker saying, Hi guys, did I miss Druff discuss his problems with Bovada? I'm guessing he just woke up at 7 a.m. in Michigan. Yeah, you 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 missed it. I'm getting near the end. I'm I'm tired, I'll be honest here. And I'll tell you about a casino that's tired. Trump Taj Mahal. What a dump that place has become. I'll tell you a little story, a little personal story about the Trump Taj Mahal. A lot of you know I used to date another girl uh, prior to this one. Her name was Miri. First time I ever went to Atlantic City was with Miri. And it was in 2007. And... I told Miri I wanted to go to the Borgata. I heard it was the best hotel casino in Atlantic City. And I was correct. It was. She was very unhappy about this. She told me that she heard the Trump Taj Mahal is the best one. That she's never heard of this Borgata. And that she wants to stay at the Taj. That's that's what she's always wanted to do. That's just uh, been kind of an Atlantic City dream of hers. To stay at the the Trump Taj Mahal. Even if the Borgata is a little bit nicer, the Taj Mahal is such an iconic property. Why am I dragging her to this unknown casino that's that's new when we could stay at this uh, 
iconic classic that is so well regarded, like Taj Mahal. I finally uh, convinced her by pulling up some bad reviews of the Taj around the time. So we stayed at the Borgata. And then we went down to the Taj to take a look. It's kind of like, here's what you could have won in uh, behind door number one. So we went to go see what we didn't choose. So we go into this dingy parking lot. We get out and we're walking towards the, you know, in the hotel from the parking lot. And we are seeing bums sleeping in the hallways that lead from the parking lot to the casino, even pretty close to the casino's front door. There's, there's bums sleeping there. We couldn't believe it. We'd never seen this before. We'd never seen bums sleeping on casino property and then they're not chased out. And that's not their right to do. Bums can sleep on the street, but bums cannot uh, sleep inside proper, private property. For some reason, <laughs> Trump, uh, Trump Taj Mahal did not care about this. And it just was a very depressing place. It was dirty. The clientele there seemed very low class. There were bums and beggars all over the place. We were just there a short time. She says, let's get out of here. I'm disgusted by this place. I'm so glad we didn't stay here. So we left. That was my only visit ever to the Taj Mahal. Uh, Trump actually does not run it anymore. If you hate Donald Trump, this is one thing you can't bash him for. Because uh, he is not involved anymore. It's actually now owned by Carl Icahn. And it's actually managed by Tropicana Entertainment, which, uh, confusing enough, does not run the Tropicana in Las Vegas. They run the Tropicana in Laughlin. They run uh, the Mont Blue in Lake Tahoe. And they have some other properties in uh, Mississippi, Missouri, Louisiana, Indiana, even one in Aruba. They're actually based in Las Vegas. So Tropicana Casinos is, is running it. Carl Icahn is the owner. So Trump, uh, he actually, I think he was actually suing to get his name off of it. The Taj Mahal went through a bankruptcy 25 years ago, just a year after it opened. It was the highest grossing casino in Atlantic City until 2003. Then the Borgata opened and crushed it. I, I think the Trump Taj Mahal got too arrogant and let themselves slip, thinking that the competition is so weak over there. Then the Borgata opened and crushed it. They tried some gimmicks to get people back. They opened up a strip club within the casino. <laughs> that shows you what a class operation it is there. 2013 to open up a strip club within the casino. So... 
the Taj Mahal is uh, it's closing. It's closing Labor Day after Labor Day. Of 2016. Yeah, it was in uh, 2015, 2014, somewhere around there, that uh, Donald Trump was suing to get his name off of there. And I don't blame him. I mean, the place is a dump. But uh, uh, Donald Trump and his daughter Ivanka sued... Carl Icahn to get their name off of it. But then uh, they came to some kind of agreement to keep the name on there. So then Donald Trump at the time, this is in March 2015 when the deal was made, said, I'm happy to have reached a deal with Carl, someone who I have great respect for, both personally and professionally, that Trump Taj Mahal, under the right leadership with the proposed significant reinvestment of the property, can be once again a wonderful place for travel and entertainment. But apparently not. This is one of those things where, and and I'm not going to say I'm an Atlantic City expert because I'm not. I, I haven't been there very often. I was there a few years ago. Probably been there like I think three times in my life, but the Taj is has been. It turned into a dump. It was dirty. It was frequented by scummy people. The Borgata became the high end property over there. The Trump had the location by the boardwalk, but uh, that wasn't enough. That whole area just went to trash. And unlike properties like Caesars Atlantic City, which still kept up a classy appearance, even though the the area kind of sucked, the Taj, first of all, is in a worse area, and second, just, it's almost like they stopped trying. So, once a property gets that reputation, there's really no coming back from it. It doesn't matter how much you invest in it or, or what kind of uh, gimmicks you try to add there. It's pretty much done. Once people have associated with property with a certain negative feeling, they just don't want to come back. You're kind of screwed at that point. You're kind of ruined at that point. It's different if you reinvent yourself when you're still successful, but when you've already slipped and then you're trying to find ways to get people to come back who left it's very tough it's very tough to erase bad memories people have like like me for example no matter what they claim they were doing to the Taj I I just kept thinking about seeing bums all over the place as I'm walking from the parking lot into the casino and that's it's hard to get that image out of my mind. Now there's a further piece of drama that's going on with the Taj Mahal and with the closing, and that is a battle with the unions because these are union employees there. So there's a lot of people losing jobs, a lot of uh, union employees losing jobs. And uh, we might as well take a call from an East Coast person who might be able to tell me some more about all this. Uh, 
Hello. Todd, you can say who it is. I, I Okay, it's Scott from the East Coast. Hello. Can you hear me okay? Yes, you sound good. All right, I'm sorry. I'm in my basement trying to get ready to uh, take niece and nephew out for the day. Um, look, I tried to go to the Taj about six years ago. Left the Borgata. I remember seeing 20 police cars for one pulled over black SUV with smoked out windows. You could tell exactly what was going on. Let's just say you couldn't get in the Taj at the time. And I vowed never, ever to go back. And unfortunately, I never, ever went back. And that neighborhood has just, you're totally right, that neighborhood ruined it. Yeah, and, and they did, and they also didn't try. Like they, they could have, they could have run the bums out of there. Like they, for some reason, they just didn't try. They kind of just gave up and just let the property uh, fall apart. Yeah, it's like Atlantic City gave in and just said, you know what, we just want the marina area to be um, the area that gets all the business between the Borgata and and Harrah's and whatever the fail casino is that's Golden Nugget or whatever it is now, and um, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then there's so there's this union situation too, and let me get to this here. Um, union. That's a that's a total that's a total joke in the casino industry. Yeah, it, it is. Right now. But anyway, this this is uh, from Bob McDevitt, president of uh, Local Fifty Four, and he thinks that. Uh, Carl Icahn has done something terrible by just uh, giving up and closing it. By the way, uh, Icahn had said that he was going to inject $100 million in the casino in earlier 2016 to keep it running in exchange for concessions from the union and, and some tax breaks from New Jersey. Uh, he didn't end up getting the, the tax breaks, but he got the concessions from the union, but then he decided not to invest the $100 million because uh, – uh, there was concern that uh, there would be two more casinos erected in northern New Jersey, and decided it wasn't worth investing in this one. So anyway, this, this let me let me jump let me jump in real quick. I only ask that because I got I got to okay. go. Um, the union that's trying to get in with the Taj or was trying to get in with Taj is the same one that's trying to get in with my property, and I can tell you they do nothing. They try to they try to fight one day a month. It's that to get in. They negotiate for three, maybe four hours a day, once a month. So I'm not going to say this is Icon's fault. I'm not going to say this is the union's fault. It's Atlantic City's fault. But the whole union thing is so laughable. It's, you, you, can't, you can't blame the workers for being on strike. They're just being... They're being led down a road. They were led down a road where they had no clue what they were doing. They're the ones that missed out on the jobs when they became available in Pennsylvania, Maryland, everything else. It's just, it is what it is, unfortunately. Well, another problem with the unions here is that they, they, they're often not realistic about whatever the market is at the moment, and they just expect the money to come from nowhere. So if a if a company is losing money, uh. The company then ha- doesn't have much options. That all they can do is is uh, cut jobs or or cut pay or cut benefits. They can't just keep paying very high rates to those working there uh, to support yeah. the, these workers' way of life, and and then just keep 
hemorrhaging money every month. They've got to find some way to become profitable. And then they have one way they can do that is to cut operating costs or cut employment costs. And, and the unions don't understand this. They go, oh, my God, you're taking things away from us. This is unfair. What about our families? But you got to understand that the money's got to come from somewhere. They, they, if they're going to lose so much money every month with the way things currently are, you can't keep it that way. There's got to be changes, and the unions don't like accepting that. So this is this – is, uh, I don't know if you have to go, then you, you can drop off. But this is – I do. I, I, wish, I wish Brandon was on the line. By the way, is he okay? Yeah, he's, I think he's okay. All right, I'll, I'll send you a text later regarding that. Um, I wish Brandon was online. He could explain a little better with a little bit more uh, time invested in work in the casinos and all. But union that, like I said, is the same one that tried to get into the Taj Mahal is getting into our property, wants to double our base pay as dealers. There's just, there's no way. And they're trying to, they're trying to make most of our workers, which most of them are dumb enough and I hate saying this, they're not well educated, but they all believe, hey, you know what, we make this as base pay, we can make double as base pay, and they're all believing it, and the union's making them fall for it. So I'm not saying the union's bad, it's just they get they get in the head and of most of these employees and they ruin it for the company. And that's unfortunately what I think happened to the Taj in the long run because it could have survived as a small little, I don't know, off its name, a small little casino off of its name for the next 10, 20 years. But now it's got, what, 20 days. So, all right, yeah, I got to run. Thanks for letting me talk real quick. Love hearing you in the morning when I wake up, too. All okay, right, thank you, thank you. All right, so that's uh, that's some – Comments. Here's a comment from the text message, by the way. This is from another country, too. I think it's from Vegetera. He says, don't forget about the murders in the Taj bathroom stabbings. Yeah, it's just a rough place over there. So this this is what Bob McDevitt, the president of Local 54, said about this situation. How petty. I would never have thought Carl Icahn was so one-dimensional. The great deal maker would rather burn the Trump Taj Mahal down just so he can control the ashes. For a few million bucks, he could have had labor, peace, and a content workforce. Instead, he'd rather slam the door shut on these long-term workers to punish them and break their strike. There's a strike going on, by the way. Uh, There is no element of trying to reach an agreement here on Icon's part. It was always my way or the highway from from the beginning with Icon. It's the epitome of the playground bully who picks up his ball and announces he's going home because nobody else will do it his way. It's truly a shame that such an unscrupulous person has billions of dollars. These workers are exercising their fundamentally American right to stand up for themselves in the face of injustice. Icon took it personally. This is clearly not a business decision. A few million dollars is a drop in the bucket compared to the money he publicly promised he would put into the Taj. It's a classic take-the-money-and-run. Icon takes hundreds of millions of dollars out of Atlantic City and then announces he's closing up shop. This titan of Wall Street is utterly incapable of making a decision unless it's mean-spirited and benefiting him alone, and he's plagued with indecisiveness when things don't go his way. In response, uh, Tropicana Entertainment President Tony Rodeo said, Currently, the Taj is losing multi-millions a month, and now with a strike, we see no path to profitability. Unfortunately, we've reached the point where we have 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 willed to have to close the Taj after Labor Day and intend to send WARN, which is Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification, notices before this weekend. 
So I understand. I, I think I'm on the side of, uh, of Icon and Tropicana because they. It, this just seems like a loser. This just seems like a property that's going nowhere except down. And I think Icon realized it and said, screw it, I'm not investing any further. It's just throwing good money after bad. It almost closed back in December 2014, but uh, Icon put $20 million into it and for financing, and uh, the union also made a concession back then. So... Keep in mind, they've also lost other casinos in Atlantic City that could not support themselves. Uh, in 2014, the Atlantic Club closed. The Showboat closed, which was a Caesars property. and reopened, but it only as a hotel, not a casino. The Revel closed. And uh, Trump Plaza also closed. So that, that market is just... It's shrinking in part because Atlantic City used to be the only gambling destination in the East, and now there are so many other choices. There's Foxwoods, there's Maryland Live, there's many others. So more and more of the market share is being split and going elsewhere. So it's time to adjust and the Taj is a known dump, and it you know just investing more money it is it's not going to change anything for several reasons. So I, I feel bad for the workers losing their jobs. I really do, but that's the reality. If you're working for a company that is not making money and is continuously losing, at some point they have to shut down. And you know they give the options to the workers at one point. Look, you, we can cut your benefits and pay if you'll accept it. Then we can stay open a little longer. Otherwise. We're going to have to go, and you can't get mad when eventually that doesn't work, and they ask you to cut even more. And when you say no, they say, "Okay, well, that's it. We got to shut down." I mean, the the money's got to come from somewhere. So that's that. Here's some text messages. <laughs> I don't know if I should even read this one. If you're grossed out, easily cover your ears. This is from one of our few black listeners. There's a guy in Vegas. Gross story, but I got a physical by this old lady. She's my first doctor to pull my pants all the way down while she's checking my balls. I get this rager and my big black cock is flopping all over her old ass hands. It's the top three most uncomfortable moments in my life. I was 17 then. This is around 08. Haven't gotten another physical since then. I don't know why he's texting me this. I mean, yeah, he sent it like three in the morning, so. Maybe he's not completely right in the head at this time. Why are you telling me this? Are you... Why are you telling me this? Just out of the blue, just telling me this story about <laughs> some old white lady giving him a physical and him somehow getting a, the heart on. And then his big black one is flopping all over the place. Come on now. I didn't want to hear that. I shouldn't even read that. For the 406, uh, tell Larry Laffer he's creepy, but then... About two minutes later, okay, he's growing on me. Sounds like someone disguising his voice, though. No, I think that's his real voice. Here's someone who's taking me to task for uh, complaining about the call to listen line that 2 plus 2 is adding. He said they're 
call-to-podcast lines, which are different than call-to-listen lines. Call-to-podcast lines are what Adam was describing versus your call-to-listen line. Tight rant, though. LOL, you self-absorbed douche. Listen, I'm not being self-absorbed here. I'm just saying that uh, we had, we're had we the first poker show that had a call-to-listen line. That's That's what... He called it a call to listen line. If it is a call to podcast line, and it's it really is something where it just you call up and it, it plays a podcast and uh, it remembers your number and plays the rest of it. That's a little bit different. I, I still think he got the idea from here, but but uh, you know it's a little different. I'll give him that. But he actually referred to it as a call to listen line. So. That made me think, well, who else has a call to listen line? Who's the only poker show that I know out there that has a call to listen line? That would be Poker Fraud Alert. But again, to clarify, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic here or phony. I, I, I'm not actually angry about this. So Adam doesn't have to be uh, upset or offended. <laughs> I just. I thought it was entertaining. When, when these guys texted me about it, when they heard, I was on vacation. I got these panicky texts about the call to listen line, and those assholes at 2 plus 2 stole it. And You know, my attitude is this. Yes, I was the first poker show to have it, but I'm not the first podcast or internet radio show to have a call to listen line. So I wasn't the inventor of it. I, I was just the first poker show to utilize it. So for that reason... Uh, I can't totally accuse them of copying even if the original idea for it may have come through listening to this show. And then what can I say? You know, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. And if I've started a call to listen revolution, that's great. Because I, I think it's very useful. And I'll, I'll go a step further. I, I think in general the push away from the telephone is a bad thing in in a lot of different ways i hate when i have to deal with customer service or customer support only through email it's terrible can't get anything done even through chat it's terrible like the 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 substitution there's no substitution for direct interaction with another human being and since you often cannot do it in person for many reasons, over the phone gives you that option, no matter where the people are that you need to speak to. And when you can have a direct conversation, that's when you can get things done. That's when you can convince them to change their minds about policies or whatever. By email, it's just so easy to get dismissed and, and no one listens to you. Uh, for, from a dating standpoint, to, nobody talks on the phone anymore. Everybody just texts. They go on these apps like Tinder and Bumble and or maybe some dating site and they send a few emails back and forth and then they'll say, Okay, let's meet for coffee at, at twelve PM tomorrow and that's the first date. And they never even get to talk on the phone and it's it's a it's it's an important step in that sort of dating. I mean if you're gonna meet someone at work or a church or through some or some other through a bar or a club, whatever, then the phone isn't as important because you establish a connection in person before that. But if you're going to meet someone through some sort of uh, blind date situation, the phone is very important. But people have uh, gotten away from that. People just text now. They, They don't talk anymore. And 
I, there's just so many situations where I think the phone is going away, but I, I think it's useful. I think sometimes progress is not always really moving forward. So the call to listen line, I know this may sound hokey to you, but the call to listen line, it takes old technology and combines it with new technology. And it makes it accessible to everyone. It makes it where you don't need the internet or a smartphone or a computer to listen to the show. You can you can listen with any any old school telephone and also it makes it a very simple way to listen there's no barrier of entry you know Terrence Jan laughed about it saying this, this is grandmother radio well it can be used that way it's not an insult it's it's something that's easy even if you have the technical capability sometimes you don't want to put out the effort to do it so it's it's a very easy way to listen I used to never listen to old shows even just the whole process of picking a show and hitting the start and waiting for it to load, I didn't want to hassle with it, even for my own show. But now, when I'm and I'm bored, sometimes in the bathroom or whatever, I'll just call the call to listen line because I just know it's easy. I just dial a number and it just plops me onto an episode running. So, I'm a big fan of it. I actually use it. Scott from the East Coast brought up something. He said, you know a lot about dating for someone that's in a committed relationship. I know nothing about dating now, LOL. He's, he's married, by the way. I, I, met, uh, I met Scott's wife. I went to um, dinner with them. She's, she seemed very nice. They seem to be uh, very uh, in love with one another, which is great. But... Uh, I actually get accused of the opposite. I know Handicap Me likes to call in all the time and tell me how I'm out of touch with, with today's uh, dating apps and the way people are on these apps. And I'm, I'm thinking too much about last decade and the decade before that I don't understand 2010's dating. And, and you know, I, I think I understand it somewhat because I see so much talk about it on, on Facebook of people who do use them. And I talk to people who use them. I know it's not a substitution for doing it myself, but I can kind of combine my knowledge from before and apply it to what I hear about today. So that's the stuff I know. I can tell you if I were single, I wouldn't even use these things. I don't know what I would use, but like I, 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 those things don't appeal to me at all. But uh, fortunately, I don't have to deal with that. Let's see what else we got here. I didn't even wake up early. I don't know why I'm so tired. All right. Other Atlantic City news. Boyd Gaming has sold their 50% interest in the Borgata. They owned 50%. MGM owned 50%. So it was this weird co-ownership of two casino groups that were usually rivals of one another. At one point, MGM wanted out and was going to sell their share, but it, it says since flipped, and now Boyd wanted out, and they have sold their share. 
to MGM, who now completely owns Borgata. The statement from Boyd said, Boyd Gaming Corporation announced that it has completed the previously announced sale of its 50% equity interest in the Marina District Development Holding Company, the parent company of Borgata, to MGM Resorts. Boyd Gaming received net cash proceeds of $589 million from the transaction after deducting its share of Borgata's currently outstanding debt. These, pro- these proceeds do not include Boyd Gaming's 50% share of any future property tax settlement benefits. Borgata estimates that it, it is entitled to property tax refunds totaling $160 million, including amounts due under court decisions rendered in its favor and estimates for open tax appeals. Boyd Gaming plans to, to use the proceeds from the transaction for debt reduction and general corporate purposes. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> so, so they're, they're going to get... Uh, Almost six hundred million in, in cash proceeds. They're going to get tax refunds for about one hundred sixty million. So, in case you're wondering, what is Boyd? They they own a number of casino properties across the U.S. and the ones you might know in Vegas are uh, the Orleans and the Gold Coast. And also three properties in downtown Vegas. So the Borgata was opened in 2003. 13 years later, it is now an MGM property. Now, will it become an M-Life property? It might. As far as I know, it's still not one. But uh, it might eventually become an M-Life property, which would be beneficial to those who have a lot of status with MGM M Life and their program. Some are surprised that MGM wanted to do this given Atlantic City struggles, but I guess they are still bullish on the Borgata, which is by far the best property in Atlantic City and the best regarded, and, and really people are seeing that as, as one of the few Atlantic City properties that seems to have any kind of future over there least future of profits. In the chat room, Bifco referring to the Taj says the union's being ridiculous, that casino will never be profitable again. They should look for jobs elsewhere. Atlantic City can only support a few profitable casinos. The market is too competitive now. I agree. So let's uh Let's go to the next topic here. Down to the general topics. Bitcoin, uh, that had a, a kind of a crash, and it was because of a major hacking of BitInfinex. BitInfinex is an exchange, and a very well-known exchange. In fact, a lot of times when referring to the current Bitcoin price in uh, you know, how it converts to currencies such as U.S. dollars. It is uh, quoted by the BitInfinex value. So they were referred to often as the benchmark for the current price of Bitcoin. 
But uh, seventy-two million dollars worth of Bitcoin were stolen through a hacking from Bitinfinex. They're based in Hong Kong, and that that rattled people because you you always want to believe these exchanges are, are pretty secure, and and when they're not, you get worried. Especially if you have Bitcoin on these exchanges, you go, "Wait a minute, what, what if I just wake up one day and they're gone?" So there was a big sell-off, and the value of Bitcoin crashed by 23%. Uh, BitInfinex announced on Wednesday, which of course was uh, yesterday now, that 119,756 Bitcoin had been stolen from users' accounts, and that they have not decided yet how to address the customer losses. So it's not even like they're saying they're going to cover it. The company said that they have reported the theft to law enforcement. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> law enforcement's not going to be able to do anything, nor will they care. They said they're also cooperating with the top block, blockchain analytic companies to track the stolen coins. And remember, Bitcoin is not completely anonymous. You can sometimes track down uh, how these Bitcoin are being used. So maybe that can be a clue as to who stole them. So this this is yet another indication that Bitcoin is still kind of immature. So every time one of these things happen, people lose faith. Remember 2014, Mount Gox had that weird loss of, of uh, all of their funds where $500 million worth of customers' Bitcoin was supposedly lost in a hacking attack. Of course, it's been suspected that they may have just stolen it themselves, whatever that Bitcoin disappeared so that that dwarfs this one. That was five hundred million worth of Bitcoin. This is only seventy two, seventy two million, but still pretty uh, significant. So Bitcoin fell all the way down to I think four hundred eighty five, and it was already on its way down. What happened? Bitcoin was on a big run up, and in fact, it hit like seven seventy dollars per Bitcoin. Then there was what's known as the halvening, which cut in half the uh, the rewards that uh, Bitcoin miners, which are pretty much the ones who are running the computers that are uh, processing Bitcoin transactions, that they'd be only getting half as they got before, how that would end up affecting Bitcoin price. So... At first, after the halvening, Bitcoin sat pretty flat. So Bitcoin shot up to like 770, then it, 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 got, it went back down to like in the high sixes, but then it sat there for a long time, even after the halvening. But then it started to decline, and it's, it was kind of the slow decline, and then it was really hastened by this Bitinfinex thing, and it fell from like 580 all the way down to uh, 485. As I'm doing this broadcast at 4.35 a.m. on August 4th, it has rebounded a good deal, and it's up to 5.78. So, as what often happens when these Bitcoin crashes occur after the panic selling is done, 
people buy them back, thinking, okay, the panic's over. I want to get back in now and get them at a good price, and then that drives the price back up. So that's where it stands right now. It's still a good deal lower than it was a few days ago when it was like 657, 660, but a lot higher than the 485 earlier uh, yesterday. So every time one of these things happens, it erodes the public's faith in Bitcoin. No, nobody wants to deal with that, except Bitcoin enthusiasts. Nobody likes when they think they have money, which Bitcoin represent, and then one day they just don't because where they're holding it isn't secure and it's gone. I admit I'd be pissed off and very frustrated if that happened. Just kind of want to give up on Bitcoin. Final topic, I'm going to talk about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is melting down. For a brief moment, right around the beginning of the Democratic Convention, he started to look viable. He got his expected convention bounce from the Republican Convention. Uh, There were some gaffes at the Republican convention, but they didn't have the massive protests that were expected. There were no big incidents over there. So he got his convention bounced. Then, of course, the Democratic convention was after the Republican one. But the Democratic convention got off to an even worse start because it came out, thanks to Russian hackers, that the Democratic National Committee had rigged the primary for Hillary, that there were various ways they were actively conspiring against the Bernie Sanders campaign, which wouldn't have won anyway, but they were conspiring against it just in case. Debbie Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the the head of the DNC, she is a known Hillary supporter, and uh, they found emails of hers provided by these hackers that were showing all the favoritism she was giving to Hillary and uh, the conspiring she was doing to prevent Bernie from really making a run-up and and coming back and beating Hillary. So a lot of the Bernie supporters who were just starting to come over and and say, okay, you know, we we didn't like Hillary before and we don't love her now, but fine, we got to beat Trump. We hate Trump so much. We're scared of Trump so much. We've got to back Hillary if we don't love her. So some of them started taking that attitude, and then this came out. And they're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was rigged. It was rigged. Oh, Hillary's so evil. Oh, the, the Democrats are so terrible. They're so corrupt. And they're right. <laughs> they're right that this was corrupt. They're right that this was rigged. Uh, I don't agree that Bernie would have won anyway. I think he was going to lose either way. But they're right to be angry about it, that their donations, the time they spent, everything that they did, that the sinking their heart, soul, and money into the Bernie campaign, and it was all for nothing because it was it was rigged by the party for Hillary to win no matter what. Even if Bernie had done better, uh, the party would have found a way for Hillary to win. So everyone was really angry about this. And, and some of the people who were considering supporting Hillary or already kind of talked themselves into doing it, talked themselves out of it. And a lot of them decided they're just going to stay home on Election Day or maybe vote for a Green Party candidate Jill Stein instead. So all of a sudden it looked like Hillary might be beating herself, that this hack of the DNC by these Russian hackers exposed enough 
dirty laundry about the party, of which there was plenty, that a lot of the party's own members, especially those on the left, were were very disenchanted and were very resentful toward Hillary for all of this and decided they weren't going to support her. So it looked like this was a huge boon for Donald Trump and that he may actually be viable to win. But Trump has, has made all these mistakes since then. Uh, he's gone to battle with a soldier who was killed in Afghanistan, with not, not that soldier himself, obviously, but his parents who spoke at the Democratic Convention. The, the, and so that's made him look terrible. He made a stupid gaffe about uh, Russia going to the Ukraine. There's been so many stupid things that Trump has been doing and saying recently. And what's stupid is that this is needless. This is needless. Uh, Trump's problem is he has very thin skin. Well, he has a lot of problems. But one of his problems is he has very thin skin, and anytime anyone attacks him, he feels like he has to respond. And you can't do that as a president, because then you end up in, in these wars back and forth, and often you end up looking bad. And especially in the case of parents of a, of a fallen soldier... You know, let them come to their Democratic convention and criticize you. Big deal. You can't respond to everyone who criticizes you and bashes you when you're running for president. You just can't do it because you end up looking like a bully. You end up looking like you can't take criticism. And and apparently Trump's advisors have been telling him, his campaign manager, keep telling him, stop doing this. Just just stay on message. Just talk about, just attack Hillary. Give your plan for the country of how you were going to make it great again, but stop attacking all these individuals who don't matter. The only one you should be attacking, if you're going to attack anyone, is Hillary, your opponent. You start attacking these peripheral people, it just ends up uh, looking like a constant flame war. But he, he doesn't care. He keeps up with it. And he's basically not listening to any of his advisors or, or campaign managers, just doing things his own way, just shooting from the hip saying a lot of offensive things, even by Donald Trump standards. So he has now fallen, according to a recent poll, I think even by Fox News, they can't even say it's biased towards Hillary. He's fallen into a 10-point deficit, which is, I think, the biggest we've seen. And in the swing states, he's not doing very well. It's, it's really looking like he's going to lose now. Because it's it's hard to see how he's going to turn it around at this point. Maybe Hillary will continue to beat herself because of all her different scandals and all the other shady crap she ends up being involved with. So you can't ever count out Hillary for destroying her own chances. But but Trump is really destroying himself here. And I don't know if this is on purpose. I don't know if he just can't help himself. I don't know if he thinks, well, this worked for me in the primary. It'll work for me in the general election. But whatever it is, he's he's messing it up big time because Hillary has, is unpopular enough and she's made enough mistakes and she's clearly covered up certain crimes. If the Republicans just had a reasonable candidate opposing her, I think you would have gotten a lot of people who were center-left, moderate Democrats that said, you know what, Hillary's such a shade ball, I'm not even voting for her, I'm going to vote for this Republican. 
but not having someone like Trump. But Trump is way, way, way too polarizing, and he he said too many both ignorant and offensive things to let these people have any faith in him. People can't picture him governing as president. They can't picture him making informed, intelligent decisions. They can't picture that he will have the proper qualifications to be president. And it's funny, with Hillary, people say, well, yeah, she has the qualifications to be president, but but she's very, very shady, very, very self-absorbed, constantly breaks laws and rules, can't trust a word she ever says. So it's tough. What do you do? Do you hire the one that, or not hire, do you vote for the one that you can't trust? Or do you vote for the one who just seems crazy? And also doesn't seem really ready for the job. Either way, the sad thing is that I cannot picture a path to the current presidential election that will not result in a president that is followed by scandal constantly. If Trump wins, he'll be constantly followed by scandal. And if Hillary wins, she'll be constantly followed by scandal. And not just old scandals, but new ones. So this is going to be a disaster either way. And I'm not, I'm not voting for either one. So, one thing that's on people's minds is that Trump may just give up and take his ball and go home. If Trump really continues to sink in the polls and he gets the idea that if he stays in, he's going to suffer an embarrassing defeat, remember, he's not a career politician. He may say, okay, enough is enough. It's not fun anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't want to run all the way and get challenged and lose. So screw it. I'm just going to suspend my campaign now. I'm out. Congratulations, Hillary. And then the Republicans would scramble to put up their own nominee. Not sure who it would be, but they'd scramble to put someone up there and someone who'd be willing to do it and probably lose. It could happen. I would never see a career politician dropping out at this point, but but someone like Trump, who's, who's just kind of just doing this as a side thing that he thought would be entertaining, and it, it turned into this, it turned into a realistic chance of becoming president. I could see Trump leaving it if it looked help, hopeless. He has other options. He has other things he wants to do, and I don't think he wants to be humiliating the election. If at, least, if, at least if he loses big time in the election and he's already dropped out, then he could say, well, it's because I dropped out. But if he stays in all the way and gets trounced, then this will look bad for him. So I think it's possible Trump could be dropping out before election time. Yeah. All right, people. I, I've struggled through this one towards the end but I I got through the agenda but now I must go to sleep Uh, apparently Brandon did not reappear (laughs) that's okay we'll get him next week uh Thank you, Scott, from the East Coast, for your caller at the end. Thank you, Calwatt, for your co-hosting until you couldn't stay awake any longer. I know how I feel. I feel like that right now myself. 
And thank you, Larry Laffer, for calling in and uh, sharing your stories about your 44-year-old girlfriend. Am I forgetting anybody else? I think I am, but I don't know. If you called in and I didn't mention you, thank you. Thank you, guy in the 586, for calling in and uh, thinking it was the call to listen line. A bad guy 23, you know, you never called back, but I, I appreciated that you were here. Hadn't heard from you in a while. Bad guy is like a, the comic relief of this show. Some people say, why do you have a guy like bad guy on here who openly brags about doing things that are not always on the level? So he's like the, the comic relief character. It's like it's like where you watch these police dramas where the main characters are very moral and uh, always on the right side of things. And the, then you have this guy who's eh, a little bit shady, but kind of harmless. And he makes the show funny. You always enjoy seeing him and his antics. That, that's who bad guy is to this show. So, I always enjoy having him on here. And who else would name their daughter after someone on the site? <laughs> Alright, people. August 10th, Wednesday, 7.30pm will be the next show. There will be a free roll. This show is in the books. It's over. Going into the archives. Thank you for listening. Shalom. Shalom.